Just with the scent of potpourri Films we commit to memory Crossing the felt ropes Watching from home on my TV Looking at all my eyes can see They tell me I view obsessively Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com, and if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for tons and tons and tons of bonus audio content spread across all of the podcasts that we do here. Um, that includes TV and book reviews, immediate reaction movie reviews, special Patreon potpourri, full-length episodes, exclusive only to Patreon, uh, movie commentary tracks, early access to content, and a bunch more. Basically, whatever I want to do and throw on Patreon, I just throw out there. Um, recently on Patreon, I just started doing episode reviews of immediate reaction reviews of The Last of Us on HBO at the $2 level, so check that out. Um, I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and you can find me on social media, which includes Letterboxd at Obsessive Viewer. And today on the show, we are doing our 10th, 10th year in review episode, uh, where we kick off the year. Uh, each, each year, we kick off with a special episode where myself, Tiny, and Mike talk about the movies we watched, the stats, and t- our top 10 favorite movies of the year. So very excited for that. And of course, joining me, as as I just mentioned, for this momentous occasion is Tiny, who can be found on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash obsessive tiny, and Mike, who can be found on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash I am Mike White, and whose band, As Good As It Gets, provides the theme music for this podcast and can be found at asgoodasitgetsmusic.com. How is it going, you guys? Happy New Year. And did I get that link right, Mike? <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Nice. Good intro, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All the all the details. Very good. Yeah. Thank you. I, I worked uh, not hard on, <laughs> on mapping all that out. But uh, but yeah, but no, yeah, that's that's the intro. Um, how are you guys doing this fine January evening? Uh, we're recording this January 16th, which is not only Martin Luther King Day, not only uh, John Carpenter's birthday, but also our own Tiny's birthday. So, Tiny, happy birthday. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Is this how you planned on uh, – is this what you wanted for your for your birthday <laughs> evening? I have – since yesterday, this whole weekend, I have forgotten so many times that my birthday <laughs> is today. Like <laughs> – I woke up today and like I had like nine notifications on Facebook. Mm. I was like, what the? F- oh, that's right. <laughs> so, um, wow. yeah, I, I just, I'm not a bit, I don't really celebrate my birthday that much. It's not, it's not that important to me, really. So, I, it doesn't bother me at all. I think this is a great way to celebrate it. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think this is the first yeah, time, awesome. yeah, the first time in 10 years that we have recorded on your birthday, um, I believe. Yeah. So, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, the last few years, we've made the wise decision to kind of bump it back a week or so when yeah, we do this recording, true. just to give ourselves some time. So, uh-huh. yeah, oh yeah, um, which yeah. So this is our big episode. This is the episode that each year we do this. It's like I said in the intro, it's our tenth time doing this. It's insane. Like we are the three like OG co-hosts of the Obsessive Viewer, um, and it's so it's. I'm so glad that we're able to still get together to do all of this because I know everyone's time is incredibly valuable. There are people that like uh, like one of us has kids. One of us turns thirty six, and one of us. <laughs> 
just mm-hmm. is alone in his apartment. But <laughs> but we're hey, to be to be clear to the audience, we're all now thirty six. That's true. That is true. We're a, we're true. a trio of thirty six year olds. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, How many people just yeah. like turned off and unsubscribed? <laughs> hang on. Hang on. I thought these guys might be in their twenties, but no. thirty six. I'm out. <laughs> the day it's better to say. We have 108 years of experience between us. <laughs> yes, there you That's go. That's true. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. I think we we provide a service to the podcasting realm. We are three uh, white 36 year old men, straight <laughs> men. We have a voice here. <laughs> um, you know what I always say is the internet needs more uh, white guys <laughs> talking about movies on podcasts. Yes. <laughs> uh but yeah check out patreon please patreon.com slash obsessive viewer uh but no Um, i mean all all joking aside i do i do love this episode of course i obviously love talking with you guys and podcasting with you guys and this is a blast and you know we i come on and and do this with you every now and then matt and Mm -hmm. and tiny every now and then uh but i think we'll always do this to me this feels like an annual tradition and i really don't see any reason why i can't you know whatever's going on in my life why i can't set aside an evening Mm -hmm. uh in january to talk about uh my favorite hobby something i Mm -hmm. love more than anything with a couple of guys i like uh that i love more than anything so uh yeah i mean this was this is an easy one to do i love doing this one oh yeah and i love doing it with you guys too obviously this is it's just it's weird because i'm in a weird headspace because it is the 10th time we're doing this and that's such a big thing but yeah um it's awesome but yeah also i have you committed now on a recording that you will always do this i'm in yeah <laughs> and, uh, put it down yeah and mike or i'm sorry tiny uh can we get your verbal consent? tiny doesn't love what i just volunteered him for he looks at me like oh damn it absolutely <laughs> i will i will one up mike send me a pdf and i will not only i will physically sign it not even digitally <laughs> nice <laughs> nice <laughs> and I will snail mail it to you. Nice. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So we are going to be spending spending the evening talking about our favorite movies of the year and our letterboxed and viewing stats for the year and everything. Honorable mentions, movies we missed, movies we're looking forward to in 2023. We have a packed show and everything. But I want to just say before we go in... Um, I want to kind of set aside some time to ask how everyone's 2022 was like personally in movies and everything in, in your personal lives. How was 2022 for you guys? Mine was good. Nice. I had a pretty good year. Um, I started a new job this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, actually, I've only been there about six weeks, so it's <laughs> we're still really new. Um, nice. That's going well. Um and uh yeah i mean the wife the wife and i are doing really well um still love our house still get to see our family a lot um and uh you know all personal personal uh, life's going great yeah that's all awesome um nice the and then as far as movies i i'm still i'm still trending towards um movies are are really just on the back burner anymore mm-hmm. and and the, the 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 heat is turned down low unfortunately <laughs> um to stick with the metaphor but um it's not that i don't like movies anymore i just i am in love with television uh, yeah I, I really love to watch tv um not only that but youtube i mean mm-hmm. I, I, I youtube is basically a tv channel to me anymore so <laughs> um my favorite thing i watched this year was midnight mass that nice was, that was my favorite thing this whole year and i i watched it three times i, I adore it <laughs> 
Um, oh, so damn, yeah, awesome. I, I, yeah, I, I'm still just really trending towards television and, and the movies are moving to the back burner, but it doesn't mean that I don't really love to do this list and, uh, uh, more more than me sharing my list this year in the past se- several years i really want to hear your guys list and nice that's 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 more than half the fun for me anymore with these so Sweet. yeah good 2022 yeah nice mike how was your 2022 yeah it was good i mean it had its ups and downs uh mm-hmm. work wise so uh when you talk about a calendar year i i split it in two because i i kind of think of life for mm-hmm. me in school years yeah. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm currently in the middle of a fantastic school year, which of course began in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, but the end of last year, which is to say the beginning of 2022, uh, was kind of rough. I, mm-hmm. I, school, school was a little rough. It was a challenging year. Um, I, I don't think I'm alone in that, but I, I also kind of struggled through it a little bit. Uh, got to recharge the batteries in the summer. Nice. had a great summer with the kids, uh, been working on music playing shows just um keeping keeping going doing doing a lot of different things uh and then um you know things have been much better this school year and uh just you know continuing to to stay positive (laughs) i guess yeah not a whole lot of uh i guess the biggest thing that happened last year was we we welcomed a nephew my brother had a a second kid oh nice uh, boy so yeah awesome awesome Nice. Congrats. Thank um, you. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, you did some performances. Uh, the, last year was the first time back doing live performances. Is that correct for you yeah. and Dustin? Yes. Uh, I think we did some kind of late 2021. Okay. As things were kind of starting to open back up. I think we did a Thanksgiving thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we so we have an album coming out, mm-hmm. which we've been uh just teasing and teasing about when we're going to release that it, and it is coming it's been a a bit of a bear to to finish mm-hmm. um but yeah that's still coming out and uh kind of to to ramp up to that we've been playing out and playing shows and practicing and rehearsing and just content con- making content 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 Sweet. and uh so pretty excited about the album coming out for sure nice very nice and you just released the awesome. latest single as well uh do you mean let's go ahead and just talk about as good as it gets for a second i'll uh, give, sure i'll yeah, yield the can. floor to you to promote oh, as you. good as it gets of course <laughs> so uh, like i said i'll be quick about it um <laughs> but we are putting out an album uh next month i ha- we we haven't locked in the day yet so i hesitate to announce it but mm-hmm. uh yeah the band is called as good as it gets you can just find us anywhere and the last song we put out was called fingertips to the wolverines mm-hmm. and we put it out on friday and uh i love the song and i love the lyrics and as much as i would like to talk about it um it's a it's a it's like a personal song and i mm-hmm. kind of love what it's about uh uh dustin my partner wrote most of it uh oh, nice. and i kind of want people to make their own guesses and assumptions about what the song is about. So I, I won't say, yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Love that song. Fingertips of the Wolverines. You can find it anywhere. Spotify, YouTube, Amazon. Awesome. Awesome. Well, congrats. And I'm excited for the new music coming. So thank you. Thanks man. I'm excited too. 
Yeah. Uh, as for me, 2022 was pretty good. Um, <laughs> I moved apartments to a, a completely different side of town. Um, and I've lived here for eight, nine months now. Um, it's been fine. Work has been okay. Um, everything's been going okay. Um, rocky start to the year because uh, my girlfriend Jess and I broke up uh, recently. Uh, so mm. I'm going to make this instead of a year in review, I'm going to make this a whole therapy episode. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Aren't it was they all though. Yeah. <laughs> way, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but no, and, and I'm fine and everything like it was, it was, uh, an amicable split. We're still friends and everything, but it's, you know, it's, it's rough just transitioning to singledom, but, uh, but yeah, but that happened and yeah, but I'm, I'm hopeful for 2023. Um, Get hopefully hoping for some good podcasting and movies and everything. So, um, yeah, I'm going to finally, finally get a new car. Hopefully this week. So that should awesome. finally be a big, big weight off of my shoulders. So Very looking cool. forward to that. Um, totally. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> now that we have, uh, now that I have brought it down and everything, uh, do we want to get into the episode and everything? <laughs> do you do you want to get into our viewing stats? Let's do it. Stats. Yes. Okay. So um, we're going to go in uh, in a in a rotating order. We're going to start with Mike. But first, I want to say that I, uh, to another shameless plug for Patreon, I posted my writing, podcasting, and Patreon stats for all of 2022 on my monthly viewing and stats Patreon episode that goes out to $10 patrons each month. Um, but I'm going to have a clip of that at the end of this episode in the Patreon clip thing. So you'll hear all about my podcasting and Patreon stats for the year, but, uh, but yeah, but let's get into our viewing stats. Uh, Mike, do you want to get us kicked off with your 2022 viewing stats as recorded by Letterboxd, uh, or wherever else you pulled the information from? Yeah, Letterbox. Uh, so in 2020, I watched 283 movies, which was the most I've ever watched. Uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, everybody was home in 2020, so yeah, uh, I won't rehash that again. Uh, and then I, the burnout in 2021 was real again. Uh, a difficult school year for mm-hmm. me, as well as um you know, just burnt out from watching movies. So I only watched 114. So my goal for 2022 was just to improve on that. Uh, and I nice. watched 123 uh, movies this year. Nice. Well, I guess 123 viewings, uh, mm-hmm. I should say. So 123, that's uh, an average of 10.2 per month, which is 2.4 per week which I guess is lower than I thought. Um, I always watch a movie once a week in the theater. Generally, mm-hmm. it's on Thursday uh, per movie night. I rarely skip those. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can always I can always kind of account for that. And then, uh, of course, October is just crazy with the amount of movies that I watched. Mm-hmm. I was also home with COVID uh, from September 10th through the 16th, which is when I watched the most movies. I watched 11 movies that week. Nice. Uh, Thursday is my most watched uh, or, or, or most viewing day of the week, I guess you could see. You could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't watch a whole lot of movies on repeat. That's not really a thing that I do. Um, I, I'm not against it. I mean, I love them, but I, I just I, I'm always trying to 
check stuff off a list or watch something new. Yeah. So I did see Scream three times, uh, and then I watched the Sonic the Hedgehog movie twice. <laughs> uh, and I and I guess I only recorded it twice, but I'm sure mm. I watched parts of it more than two times because mm. uh, it was like my kid's favorite movie of the year. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. We also watched Sonic 2 more than once, but I guess I didn't count that the second time. And then uh, we watched Encanto. I, I mean, I don't know, three or four times. Mm-hmm. I only counted it. I only counted it once. Um, <clears throat> my most watched uh, genre is horror, as it usually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my most watched uh, or most seen actors are Brad Pitt uh, and Brad Dourif, because I did do a Chucky rewatch nice. in uh, uh, while I was in while I was in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, most watched director was Wes Craven because we watched the um, Scream movies, mm-hmm. of course. And I, I think that that's it. Uh, yeah, that should do it. I, I didn't, I didn't uh, parse out all the percentages, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So 123 films watched up over last year, and I think it's back close to my average. Very nice. Oh. Um very nice. Very nice. Did you see that uh the Chucky TV show got renewed for season three today? I did. I still yeah. haven't watched either season one or season two. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I haven't either, but you know. I just don't I mean, I think I've talked about this here. Uh kind of the opposite of tiny. I I don't prioritize TV. Mm-hmm. I watch shows, but like if I can't if I can't get my wife on board, yeah. uh, I don't watch it. There, I think I watched a couple of the Marvel shows mm-hmm. uh, last year. I got was Loki last year. Um, I think that was twenty twenty one. Okay, I then think. I. I mean, I maybe yeah. didn't even watch a Marvel show in twenty twenty two. But yeah, if like if we're not, I'm not watching it with my wife. I'm just I, I'm not watching a TV show. Yeah, I totally I totally get that. I yeah. same here. It's harder. It's harder yeah. to watch it on your own. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, I will say just uh, while we're kind of hovering around TV for a second, um, best show of the year that I saw was probably Severance and, um, I'll second that. Yeah. I'll second that. So freaking good. And, uh, solid number two for me. Oh yeah. And, uh, I've also been rewatching the wire. So that's just great. That's greatness personified. Um, and also I watched, uh, the first first season and some of the second season of dark on Netflix, which I'm going to get back to for Patreon soon, but that's an incredible show. So anyway, yeah. that's the TV corner. Um, <laughs> Tiny, what's your number one show? Uh, midnight mass was my favorite this year. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Um, yeah uh patreon recordings by the way on there so for pretty much everything Mm -hmm. i said uh mike do you have any other stats or should we throw it to tiny i don't think so go ahead tiny sweet tiny how did you do in 2022 with stats cool yeah um i this was not my lowest uh number of watched movies i thought it was um i watched 110 in 2020 i watched uh 83 in 2021 which was my lowest Uh, this year I watched 96 movies, um, which is not great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and let's see, I, 1.8 per week, eight a month. Um, my number one genre was drama, which it almost always is. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
that is, I think I had something kind of funny on here. What was it? Oh, kind of uh, different. Francis Ford Coppola was my most watched director. Um, oh, interesting. Oh, that makes thanks sense. To, uh, thanks to the Ebert project we're doing um, <laughs> yeah. on Obsessive Viewer. We watched, uh, you know, I watched all three of the Godfather movies and then mm-hmm. we watched uh, The Conversation. Yep. Um, which is all Francis Ford Coppola. So yeah, um, he was my number one director this year, <laughs> um, which is kind of funny. Actor was uh, Tom Holland with five movies. Oh, so, nice. Because um, the Avengers movies, I, I usually mm-hmm. rewatch those once or twice a year. So Oh, yeah. Um, 2022 releases was really disappointing. I only watched 32 movies oh, from wow. 2022, which is a bummer. And then same thing for like watches and rewatches, like only a third of the movies um that I watched, uh, I guess that doesn't really take into account what I watched in the past. That's stat, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, like m- most of the stuff I watched, I had seen before, like not a lot of new stuff in there, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've found comfort when it comes to movies in rewatching movies I've already seen. Yeah. Um, my wife is kind of the same way. Um, and I think that's kind of rubbing off on me over the last few years, but, um, yeah, you know, it's not last year. Um, I kind of swooped in in December, maybe a little bit in November and bumped a lot of 2021 movies up on my list and got to see a lot of good movies. And I was really excited about my list and everything. Um, this year I did, I just did not have that. I totally mm-hmm. failed. Um, I was sick a lot in December, November, December. I missed Thanksgiving and new year's being sick. Um, Jeez. It's I'm trying to get into the doctor to get stuff figured out, but yeah, it, it really screwed up my December and just completely demoralized me. So, um, I didn't have that big push this year and it's, yeah, it really affected my list and, um, I'm happy more than happy to talk about the movies on my list, but, um, it's, it is going to be, you'll, you'll, there, there's a theme that'll pop up <laughs> um, that I'll, I'll, I'll mention at the beginning. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, 96 movies, that's, that that's a movie every four days most mm-hmm. people don't watch a movie every four days i right. still still think i'm an obsessive sure. viewer for you sure. know um oh, yeah. yeah i it's it, it's it's not good for us but it's um <laughs> you know it's i i'm i don't i don't hate it and you know like i said you know there's a lot of good tv this year i still mm-hmm. watch a lot of things um i've really gotten into other forms of media like youtube and mm-hmm. tiktok i follow tons of people creators on there um and that's that's really a whole other form of entertainment uh it's it's something i obsessively view still Mm -hmm. so um yeah um not you know not a great year but you know not a terrible one either i'm uh uh, i'm still excited for i still love movies and i'm still excited to talk about them so how bad could the year be right oh yeah absolutely for sure dude for sure yeah Yeah. oh yeah and it's funny like you uh, like your top 10 it's i mean it's solid like you've we'll we'll get into it and everything but there's a lot of you you got to see some of the more uh bigger movies that that kind of demand attention i think so um right yeah there's not any like glaring omissions or anything so i think you're totally fine with that uh right on thanks man yeah uh shall i go into my viewing stats please do do. it show Uh, everyone okay so (laughs) in 2020 king has the floor (laughs) the obsessive viewer yes so in 2020 i had 283 viewings total in 2020 um of course that's 
exacerbated by pandemic and quarantine and and uh, like uh like all of the lockdown stuff and then in 2021 i had a drop from that of almost a hundred or over a hundred i had 180 total viewings in 2021 um in 2022, I had 339 viewings. You got oh, crazy. Yeah. You got crazy. I sure did. Damn. You and got I'm, wild. At what point in the year did it become a thing? It honestly, yeah. it honestly really didn't. Um, it, it, I well, don't think it ever became quite a thing. Like, I was excited about it. I, I probably... Probably at the end of summer, I was like, I'm going to, if I apply myself and if I tried really hard, I could probably beat Tiny's, Tiny's like record year of like, that's right. It was like 360, I think. 366. Um, 366. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. So after like in the early fall, I did have that thought and it did become a thing then, but then toward the end of like really going into like award season and screener season for the IFGA, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm not going to prioritize the numbers. I'm going to prioritize like watching the movies that I, I need to watch for the awards consideration stuff. And so that kind of became less of a, it became less of a thing there as my attention got shifted more toward, you know, watching stuff that I needed to watch for, for the critics group I'm in. So, uh, so it did become a thing, but it wasn't as much of a thing. Uh, but yeah, but three thirty nine, I'm proud of it. I kind of wish I would have watched just one more movie so that it would be like an even three forty. Um, but I'm not, I'm not too mad or anything. Uh, uh, of those two hundred, or I'm sorry, of those three hundred and thirty nine movies or viewings, um, two hundred and twenty eight of them were first viewings, so that accounts for sixty seven point three percent of my total viewings were first viewings. And I rewatched uh, of those of those three thirty nine viewings, one hundred and eleven were rewatches, so that accounts for thirty two point seven percent of my total viewings. Um, theater viewings, I'm very proud of this. Uh, I managed to get th- uh, a total of fifty two theater viewings in in the year. Um, nice, very very proud of that. Um, and now that I'm going to hopefully within the next, like very soon going to have like reliable transportation, I'm going to really make up for lost time with the theater viewings. Um, and of the 339 viewings, uh, 127 of them were for 200 or uh, were for 2022 releases. So I saw 127 movies released into in 2022 that accounts for 37.5% of my total viewings and per letterboxd the <laughs> the time i spent watching movies in 2022 339 movies accounted for a total of 618.4 hours uh which is 25.8 days of the year wow that's incredible watching yeah, movies incredible. yes and, that's nuts <laughs> and now i'm in and not to bring this up but now i'm in the beginning of 2023 now newly single so we'll see how 2023 uh turns out on that front as well <laughs> um, we're in trouble <clears throat> yes yeah, we are we'll never catch up tiny oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh, i wanted to i wanted to say mm-hmm. sorry to, oh no, uh, you're fine. Uh, to, to, to take the flame, um, mm. I ha- I watched 44 movies in theaters this year. Oh nice, which is 
is kind of lower uh, mm-hmm. than usual. Usually I'm up over one a week. I'm at 52. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, this year, uh, I think I had COVID once. Mm-hmm. I think he had COVID once. Yeah. We, we, um, I went on vacation twice. Uh-huh. He went on vacation twice. We didn't mm-hmm. see anything over Christmas break. So the weeks just kind of get away from us. Uh, yeah. And I find it, you know, harder to, harder and harder, uh, you know, with the kids to mm-hmm. sneak out at night and go to a movie. Oh, yeah. I totally get that. Um, we'll still, give you a pass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so 44 theater viewings. Um, uh, 45, I guess, if 45. you include the second time I saw Scream. Okay. I, and saw, I did see Scream twice. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. How many of those, like, 44 theater viewings were movie night versus not movie night theater viewings? Do you have that? Oh, wow. That's an excellent question. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess forty-two of them mm. were movie nights. Okay, I think I think the only two movies that I saw that weren't movie nights were Minions <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sonic Two. Okay, oh, so movies I saw with my kids. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, nice. I I used to kind of go out and and see movies with my wife or, mm. or catch a movie with uh, a, a, another friend or mm-hmm. catch a movie by myself. I didn't do that. Aside from taking the kids to two of them, I didn't do that at all this year. Man, that's oh, crazy. Wow. wow. Interesting. Um, Tiny, offhand, do you have how many movies you saw in the theater? I completely forgot to look. <laughs> um, I think it, I don't think it was much more than five, maybe yeah. five or six, you know, um, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty pitiful, really. You did get to see a few screenings, though. Um, yeah. The most notable, though, was, yeah, I got to see, um, I got to see uh, John Carpenter's The Thing in the theater for the oh, first time yeah. ever, which oh, was awesome. a total, total bucket list. One of my top five favorite movies. So that was that was fantastic. I loved that. Very cool. Very cool. Yep. Um, this is actually a great segue too, because my next my next uh, stat that I have lined up is uh, three memorable slash special theater viewings that I had in 2022. Uh, which, by the way, I should have said also that I have a full rundown of my year and review stuff on the website. Um, so check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes of of that. But uh, three memorable theater viewings I had were uh, in. Uh, in order, I guess chronological order of when I saw it. Um, I saw Psycho on May 3rd at the Keystone Art Cinema, which I now live nearby. Uh, Keystone Art does a great thing where they basically have retro replay Tuesdays where they have uh, programmed screenings of uh, old movies every Tuesday night. It's a discounted ticket, so it's like seven bucks for a ticket. Um, and I took advantage of that. <laughs> I saw Psycho. And then I saw, I think I, I saw a few, oh, oh, I, for the first time ever, I saw um, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, um, which was phenomenal. I was not expecting to love it as much as I did, um, but that That's was awesome. a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, and they're currently doing this month, they're doing Kubrick. So this past week, I got to see 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, one of my all-time favorite movies. I've seen it in theaters countless times. Um, and anytime I have an opportunity to see it in the theater, I'm going to see it in the theater. Uh, but they've also got Barry Lyndon playing in a couple of weeks. And then next month they're doing Billy Wilder. So they've got like Sunset Boulevard and uh, I think Double Indemnity and just every Tuesday they have something. So I'm 
really looking forward to very much being <laughs> like involved with that uh, throughout the year. Um, but that was one of my three memorable theater viewings. The next one was at the Historic Artcraft Theater in Franklin, Indiana, one of my favorite theaters. On October 15th, I saw Scream 1996. Uh, awesome. Yes. Awesome. Yes. My first time nice. seeing that in a movie theater one of my bucket list movies because I of my top 25 favorite movies of all time, there's like eight or nine that I have not seen in a movie theater and I was able to take that off of the list. So that was fantastic. And then that's cool, man. Yeah, I was very, very happy and very, very fortunate that that happened. Um, and then the final uh, one in November on November 5th at the Can Can Theater here in Indianapolis, I got to see my all time favorite movie in the theater. For the second time, I got to see this for a second time in the theater. I saw Seven Samurai, Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai in the theater. Um, it was it was fantastic. Um, it was it was I I loved it. It was it was so good. Um, <laughs> so it's great that I got just another chance to see that in the theater because I'm I've talked about it a lot that I never thought that I'd, I'd ever even get a chance to see it in the theater when I saw it at the Artcraft a uh, handful of years ago, and then. Now it just popped up at the can cans. I'm like, yep, okay, I'm gonna go. <laughs> and I went, cool. and it very was cool. it was very cool. Um, nice, yeah. So those are memorable theater viewings. Um, some additional stats I have. I'll run through these quickly. Um, I averaged 28.2 viewings per month and 6.5 viewings per week on average. Um, my, <laughs> here's the thing. So my biggest week was one, two, three, four, four weeks tied at four weeks. I had in February, March, September, and December each had one week where I watched 13 movies during that week. So (laughs) that's a lot, man. That's a lot. Yeah. The week where I was home with COVID and all I did was watch movies. I only watched 11. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. And I should put the caveat here that it does... It does help me a little bit that I do have a hybrid or flexible work schedule. So I'm working two to three days um, yeah, yeah. at home each 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 week. Um, so that's a lot of like putting on something familiar or watching something when I'm not doing as much as I should. Um, but it's <laughs> it's uh, that does kind of kind of inflate the the viewings plus there's a ton of like screenings that i go to and everything but anyway uh the busiest day of the week was friday i had 62 viewings on uh on friday's total um first movie that's 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 more than one every friday of the year oh absolutely (laughs) oh yeah wow wow yeah that's that was your friday thing yeah pretty much yep um and i think that there was Maybe like on my, <laughs> on my, yeah. Okay. So if you go to my 2022 stats page on Letterboxd, um, you can see films by week and it has like the bar graph for all of the weeks of the year and everything. The only week where I had zero films watched was the last week of the year because December 31st was on a Sunday <laughs> and that was like, uh. that they counted as a week. So I didn't watch anything on New Year's Eve. Um, so anyway, how uh, embarrassing for you. I know, I know. Uh just it's uh yeah, I I'm, I'm ashamed. Uh I had, I had yeah. 12 weeks where I watched no movies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's also kind of surprising. Yeah. It yeah. is. It really is. <laughs> 
I have six, including mm-hmm. that December 31st. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots uh, of one film, lots of there, uh, not most, but at least half of the months or half of the weeks were uh, the only movie I watched was movie night. And I just oh, had other yeah. stuff going on. That's fair. Um, first movie I saw of the year was Throne of Blood. Last movie was How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Don't know how that, all that happened. <laughs> uh, mine was Scream 96 nice. and then uh, Glass Onion on December 29th. Nice. Tiny, what was your first and last? Um, I have it here. Where was it? Uh, first was Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm, nice. And last was Inglorious Bastards. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the stats, just really quickly, uh, most watched movies, Scream 22, I watched in a, not embarrassing, I'm not embarrassed, I'll own up to it, I watched it seven times in 2022. That's Damn. not, that's not, I don't know, that's not an outrageous number. Oh, okay, good, Like, good. I, I feel like if you're hesitant, you're like, yeah, I watched it 16 times. No. I, I don't think seven <laughs> is that much. Thank I, you. I will say, I mean, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I wished I watched it seven times. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's... there were probably seven days this year where I thought, ah, if I had a, if I had two extra hours, I'd watch Screen. Yeah, I want to watch it again. Oh yeah, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting till we do the commentary to watch it again. Yes, yes. Uh, Patreon.com/slash obsessive viewer. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah. I watched it seven times, three times in the theater, four times at home, one time with the uh with the filmmakers commentary track on the blu-ray which is fantastic it's a great commentary um and then the second most watched movie was nope i saw it three times and my most viewed actors were uh takashi shimura uh who is one of uh kurosawa's like players i watched eight movies that he was in and then a triple tie at seven movies is tom cruise (laughs) harrison ford and kokuten kokuten kodo uh, who is another uh, Kurosawa favorite. Um, and most viewed directors, I watched 11 Spielberg movies, nine Kurosawa movies, eight Wes Craven movies, and four Peter Bogdanovich movies. Uh, so yeah, so that's where I was in 2022 with stats. Um, can I make a, I make yeah. a, a confession or a, an addendum <laughs> to my director's list? Sure. So I said Wes Craven because I looked mm-hmm. at my uh, who is also tied for number one, mm-hmm. and I was like, "It's a French name," so I didn't even know how to pronounce it. And I was like, "Surely there, that's a mistake or or something." I don't know. So Wes Craven with three films, but the other number one director whose movies I watched the most was Jean Colette Sarah, which and I didn't oh. even know who that was. I was like, "Who is that?" And he directed Black Adam. Mm-hmm. House of Wax, which I watched, and then Orphan. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Just the weirdest, <laughs> weirdest uh, uh, triple feature. Mm-hmm. I watched two it's of like, his movies the, the week I was home with COVID. It's like completely <laughs> circumstantial that he showed up on mm-hmm. your stats. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. He ended up being on, my, maybe not on my most watched or anything, but I did see, like I saw Black Adam and House of Wax just by happenstance. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Go get it, Jom. Yeah. <laughs> are we seeing, are we seeing a Jomasats here? <laughs> I don't know. Black Adam didn't do too hot. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Despite The Rock's best efforts. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's my 2022 in stats. Um, really quickly, 2022 movies that I watched or that I missed. Um, I don't, I don't know if any of these would have made my top 10 or anything, but these were one, these were, uh, movies that I had somewhat on my radar and just didn't get to, uh, this place rules on HBO max, the, uh, documentary from Andrew Callahan about, uh, the lead up to the January 6th, uh, insurrection. Um, I ended up watching it early this month. Um, it's, it's good. It's solid. It's nothing that you don't already know (laughs) or, uh, yeah, it's not anything. It, it's, it's fine. Um, I didn't get a chance to see Babylon. I wasn't interested in seeing Babylon or anything, but I do feel like it was, it's a big release. So I kind of feel like I should have seen it. Um, there's a documentary that got a lot of play in the IFGA awards consideration. I think it was, I think it got runner up for, uh, the awards or maybe not. I'm not sure. Check the last episode of the podcast. Um, uh, but it's, I didn't see you there. Um, and then I also missed violent night, uh, which is hitting peacock. Oh, man. Yeah. 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 It's either going to be fun. On, yeah. I'm, I'm excited because it's, I think it's either going to be on Peacock or Paramount Plus, whichever one it's going to land on. Uh, but I think that's coming out this coming Friday. So I'm going to catch up with that. I, I know you want to catch up. Just try to wait until next Christmas. Oh, really? Save it. Save it, dude. Because what, I, I, what works so well, it's not even in my top 10, but yeah. what works so well about that movie is how well it balances the violence and the overtop and all that with like real magic of christmas okay heartwarming stuff it's a it's a really like sweet christmas movie nice. with the ridiculous action i mean it's it's half stupid and half mm. awesome okay I, nice. I, just try i i don't know do whatever you want of course but try to save it try to save it till thanksgiving i i i might or christmas um I might, I might try to say, yeah, you know, Thanksgiving weekend. Oh yeah. Yeah. I might do a double feature of that and Krampus give Krampus a rewatch. Um, but yeah, so that was that. And then there's also a movie from, uh, Benson and Moorhead, uh, something in the dirt. Um, I didn't get a chance to see that. I know that it's gotten some acclaim and everything. So I want to check that out when it is available in my, in my eyesight. (laughs) So (sighs) <sighs> okay, so those are my stats for 2022. Um, anything else on stats, or do you guys want to go into our honorable mentions if we have them? Oh, I don't think so. I, I did have mm-hmm. a couple that I missed that I okay. wanted to mention. Yeah, yeah go uh, right I ahead. Didn't, I didn't get to see Tar. Is that how you pronounce it? Tar? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I forgot I to, to even just say, like, yeah, what what did you guys miss? So go ahead. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I also didn't see Babylon, but I kind of feel the same as you. It just looks mm-hmm. a little too uh, overindulgent, self-indulgent. I don't know what the word is. Yeah. Uh, and then probably the biggest one that I watched that I kind of just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't mean to be contrarian or whatever, but I did not watch Avatar The Way of Water. I just didn't want to. I just couldn't bring mm-hmm. myself. Uh, we just kind of both agreed on movie night. We're like, I don't really want to spend three hours. We just didn't see it. And I don't feel like seeing it anytime soon, honestly. I don't blame you. Um, I, I, <laughs> that's a movie that I enjoyed the spectacle for a, maybe maybe an hour of it and everything, and then it's something that when we had it, there's really nothing too deep to it in my eyes. It's very just. It's James Cameron. It's spectacle. He's very light on storytelling. 
Um, yeah, I. It's I just, funny that he didn't go too deep with that movie because he has been deeper in the ocean than any person living on the planet. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Tiny, any twenty twenty two movies that you missed? Yeah, tons of tons of regrets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the biggest one is the whale. I really oh, yeah. really wanted to see that, and I had yeah. full plans to go see it uh, mm-hmm. New Year's weekend, but I was sick. Um, oh yeah. I wanted to see Avatar really bad. Uh, Paige wanted to go as well, but again, mm. just weekends filled up and I got sick and all that. Um, Tar was a big one. Everything, everywhere, all at once was mm. huge. One that I missed. Um, uh, X, I really wanted to see. Looked really fun. Uh, some of the, I missed out on a lot of horror this year. X, mm. The Invitation, I wanted to see the, that. De- didn't even see Halloween Ends. I mean, mm. I really dropped the ball. Uh, on a lot of stuff this year but uh i'm i'm hoping to catch up to it so nice and yeah it was an insane year for horror um, oh my gosh horror incredible. is just horror is back I, <laughs> I mean i don't even know if that's a thing there mm-hmm. there's never been a better time to be alive for a horror fan mm-hmm. um my horror stats and my horror viewing accomplishments this year mm-hmm. i'm very pleased with nice uh, very pleased with yeah i mean it's it's if you love horror you are feasting right now. <laughs> nice. Spoiler, spoiler alert. This is the first year in, I think, the last four or five that I have not had a horror movie on my top 10. Oh, wow. 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 Which, okay. which is disappointing. That's Interesting. wild. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, let's see. I have five. <laughs> half of my list <laughs> wow yeah like yeah. dr sleep and in, in the past mm-hmm. few years the invisible man mm-hmm. it um yeah i mean those are some of the yeah. big ones that made my list and they'd still be on my list so, yeah. yeah i yeah. would i would say that there could be an argument made for your number nine being at least horror adjacent right there are t- there are i was going to say that there are some tones of horror in that one yeah so. yeah um but yeah very very uh very interesting um yeah, yeah. uh do we have honorable mentions well, yeah i got yeah, yeah. plenty okay. cool plenty. I, didn't, I didn't i didn't bother okay <laughs> that's totally I, fine hard hard for me to get the top 10 together this year so <laughs> sure uh, thing all right well mike yeah. do you want to hit us with some honorable mentions and i'll give mine yeah, so it was a great year for movies. I, I saw a lot of movies that I really enjoyed quite a bit. So I won't spend too much time on honorable men- honorable mentions. I'll, I'll, I'll buzz through these pretty quickly, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go through ten of them. Uh, at my number twenty is Violent Night. I really liked that a lot. Nice. Number nineteen was Men. Uh, I thought that was really creepy for most of it. That was in my top ten actually for a little while. Number eighteen is Smile, one of the scarier mm-hmm. uh, movies of the year. I liked it a lot. Uh, number seventeen, The Ban- Banshees of Inisherin. Um, I, I loved it. I, I can clearly see why it's such nice. a great movie and has so many accolades. It just didn't quite, uh, that movie and I are just not on the same tempo. So mm-hmm. it, it's an honorable mention. It's not a favorite. Uh, black phone was in my top 10, but it kind of took a tumble oh, when yeah. I kind of thought about my criteria, mm-hmm. uh, a movie called speak no evil, mm-hmm. uh, which was a kind of an underseen, uh, horror movie, uh, was excellent. Uh, Glass Onion was really, really fun. Didn't make my top ten. That's that's a that's an honorable mention. Uh, the Innocence, which in a oh, you know, yeah. if I ever reshuffle these in a couple of years, the one I see like cracking the top ten would be The Innocence. Like I'm probably gonna watch that again next October. Nice. Uh, my number twelve is Bones and All. Uh, the Timothy Chalamet 
Uh, Cannibal movie was really great, really creepy and cute. Uh, And then my number 11, so my most honorable mention. And I do feel a little bad not including this in the top 10 because it is great. Again, these are no, it's like no slight Mm -hmm. uh, to these movies that this, uh, but yeah, this movie took a tumble is nope. And I just thought about when I went through my top 10, what of the top 10 am I most likely to watch again next year? And and Mm -hmm. the truth is, maybe three of them i I just don't rewatch movies a whole lot but um i looked at what i had seen and i thought about nope and i just like do i really am i excited to watch nope again soon and the answer is nope (laughs) (laughs) so but Um, it's great it's great and i and i imagine we're going to talk about it later but um Mm. yeah honorable mention for me nice um you know that's interesting because (laughs) <laughs> that's it's wild because uh no we're not we're not going to be talking about it oh okay oh, yeah never mind then well, that that's makes me feel a little better very yeah. interesting yeah um i i've actually been surprised at how many top 10 lists i've seen that movie on um because i i i mean i i like that movie it's good but i mm-hmm. i never i don't think i ever really saw it on my top 10 um, oh interesting yeah and, but i've seen a lot of i've seen people have it their number one so oh I'm, yeah i'm yeah. kind of surprised yeah. about that but yeah i can and i don't want to yuck anybody's yum i mm-hmm. can if you're if you're really diehard totally jordan yeah. peele fan that i, I understand my number one i have to make excuses for my number one i'll just say that <laughs> so like you don't have to make excuses if if nope is your movie of the year i, I just Very want to true. offer that absolutely conceit. and it's interesting to to go into my honorable mentions um nope is not on my honorable mentions or my top 10 but i loved nope and i think wow. that that yeah i think that that speaks to the the quality of the year in movies um i'm sure that some of it i i don't know i don't know how many movies were originally slated for 2020 or 2021 and got pushed because of the pandemic and maybe that's a contributing factor to just the glut of good movies in this year or if it's just hey this is a very good year but this was one of this was this was a different kind of challenging top 10 to make specifically because like partway like halfway through the year i had a solid foundation of movies on there that i was certain like okay well yeah we still have half the year but i'm going to be like i'm going to be talking about nope at the at the beginning of january i'm going to be talking about men at the beginning of january and here we are now i do not have either of those on my top 10 or honorable mm-hmm. mentions mm-hmm. and it's because there's just so many other things that were really good um so yeah, so without further ado, I have five honorable mentions I'll run down really quickly. Um, there is a, and these are in alphabetical order, um, there's a documentary called Bad Axe that is about a uh, an Asian American family in Michigan uh, throughout 2020 that they are running a restaurant and they're dealing with like lockdown, the pandemic, racism, the social, like the, like the social upheaval, political upheaval and everything of 2020. And the backlash that the community, a very rural, like pro-Trump like community, them facing like out outright racism and everything. It's an incredible documentary. It's called Bad Acts. It's one of my honorable mentions. Really was uh very much impressed with it. Uh the next one, again in alphabetical order 
is the Banshees of Inisherin. Um, I saw this in the theater when I did a triple feature in the theater, and I have a uh, Patreon exclusive um, Patreon potpourri episode uh, where I talk about it. But I I think that the relationship or the friendship at the center of it and the dissolvement of that friendship is so well told and it goes into this level of absurdity and even like just crazy just absolute craziness that still like hooks you emotionally so i just i loved it it was fantastic uh the next honorable mention was a movie that i reviewed in obsessive viewer episode 365 with my friend sam watermeyer uh the batman um, this, I was so certain would be in my top 10 because I loved it. Um, it got a little bit of mixed reviews. I also wrote a review on the website, which of course you can check out my entire archive of 2022 writing and podcasting at obsessiveviewer.com slash Matt Hurt 2022. But the Batman's fantastic. I think that the tone that it strikes while it is very much reminiscent of like the gritty realism of, of Christopher Nolan and the just overall aesthetic of a David Fincher crime movie. It still is cool to see Batman play in that, in that arena. And it's something that I've always kind of fantasized about wanting to see on the big screen is a serial killer Riddler mystery movie. (laughs) And it did not, it did not disappoint for me. So I really loved the Batman and then uh, a couple other honorable mentions, the Fablemans. Uh, I'm not a big fan of, uh, filmmaker, like self-indulgent autobiographical movies about their childhood and everything. But there's a sincerity to Steven Spielberg's approach to it and the way that he uses it as he uses this movie as a way to dissect his relationship or his his avatar's relationship with film as an art form and as a way to see the world. So it's just really it's it's a very sincere and genuine approach to uh, to the discovery of the, of art as, as a a discovery of film as art. And I just really appreciate Spielberg's approach to it. And finally, my final honorable mention is, uh, Resurrection, which is available on Shudder. I did a Patreon. I watched it last night. Oh, nice. What did you, what did you think of it? It's great. I don't, I don't, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I saw it too late or Mm -hmm. didn't, uh i don't know it's not in my honorable mentions okay but uh yeah i really liked it a lot i mean yeah Rebecca hall is just oh my god it's just out of control at Dude, this point that yeah. that is her performance in that is is one of the best performances of the year in a in a, in a year yes. that has some incredible performances and, and is there ever like i can't think of a movie i don't know maybe maybe i i, I think i'm being a little too granular here with my <laughs> criticism but like <laughs> the where like a single monologue changes a movie. Oh my from, god! Like, oh, this is like a tight thriller. Like, mm. what's going on here? To oh, the, oh, this movie's like crazy. This is gonna be a crazy <laughs> yes. movie. Yeah, I was like, is this horror? Why is this on Shutter? <laughs> and then she has that monologue in the office, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is a horror movie. Yeah, that's yeah. the scene where I was like, this is something special. This is something yeah. very special. <laughs> um, and so, Tim yeah, Roth. Anyway. Tim Roth is incredible. Yeah. So, so yeah, Resurrection, that's my final honorable mention. Um, yeah, I would, I mean, in a, in a year where, where, I mean, it, I don't know if, if any of my top 10 movies did not exist, I would be more than happy to put any of these five in its place. Um, because this was a very strong year for movies and I really liked my honorable mentions. 
Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Tiny, really, you go ahead. Yeah. Really quickly. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask Mike about the Batman because mm. I'm curious. Um, sure. did you see your students like, uh, like, like Gen Z students attaching to that movie or liking that movie at all? I'm curious. Did I, I'm, I love you, Tiny. That I did not think that that was the question you were going to ask. That's the better question. Uh, okay. Dude, they loved it. Yes, they nice. loved it. I mean, it was like they were walking around uh, uh, claiming to be vengeance for the next week or so. <laughs> and, oh, and Nirvana has had the mm. biggest pop uh, that they have had since the 90s. I mean, Nirvana nice. is still in, uh, I, I reckon, because of that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it had a huge... I mean, people were like, they kind of behaved, and and we were a little older than my students mm. were when The Dark Knight came out, but yeah. I imagine they behaved much like high schoolers behaved when The Dark Knight came out. Mm. Just like, oh my God, the best movie ever. <laughs> and I was like, have you seen The Dark Knight? And they're like, no, I haven't seen it yet. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> uh, see The Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm so glad to hear that because mm-hmm. I really liked the Batman too. If I had done honorable mentions, it would have been one of mine. Nice. Um, it was on my top ten for most of the year. Um, I feel like Gen X had Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. We had Christopher Nolan, and yeah. Gen Z needed their turn. And I yeah. I'm yep. really glad to hear that wow. they connected to it. And and Matt, when you talked about it, you mentioned that it had some Fincher feel to it, mm-hmm. and I totally agree with that. But I also think it is a pretty a pretty good blend of a Burton looking filter vision with yeah. Nolan. Yeah. And my, I feel like it blended those two kind of visions and visual representations together in, in like a really good way that I was not expecting at all. That's um, interesting. Yeah. More, I more was, gothic than gritty. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I was, I was really hoping Gen Z would connect to it because nice. they need their Batman too, you know? Mm. And oh, um, I agree with you. That's so that's awesome. Great. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't love the Batman and, and we've kind of mm. talked about that before, but when they would ask me and they're like, Oh, I loved it. And I, I said to them, and I wasn't even trying to be glib or whatever, but I was just like, I'm so glad that you loved it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you loved it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's like, great. Did you like it? And I'm like, well, no, but I love that you loved it. <laughs> nice. Did, I'm did glad we got to talk about the movie too. Yeah. And yeah, that's good. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Uh, yeah. So um, shall we dive into our Is top tens? Here, we, Here go. we go. <laughs> yes. All right. So again, we're going to go uh, around the, around the table, starting with Mike, we're going to go 10 to one. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about our top 10 picks, uh, one, like one by one. So, uh, Mike, do you want to get us kicked off with your number 10 favorite movie of 2022? Yes. And if this is, I wonder if anybody skipped ahead to this part. Like if you hit the (laughs) timestamp, if so, hello, my name is Mike White. You can find me at, I am Mike White on Twitter. Welcome to the main event, the top 10 list. Of 2022. Okay, I'll begin. <laughs> Late addition to the list for me. I didn't see this until, well, admittedly January, uh, but that's why we give ourselves a little bit of time to fill these yeah. in. So uh, my number 10 is RRR, which is, uh, I believe, inarguably the worst titled movie of the year. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but I do think that there's a translation thing happening there, which I just mm. have to forgive. 
So I, <clears throat> I read a review that said this might not be the best movie of the year, but it's certainly the most movie movie of the year. <laughs> and I just love nice. that. And I think that that's so spot on. And for me, it's kind of interesting to include this one on a top 10 list because you do have to make a good number of concessions for RRR. Hmm. There are plot developments, there's oh. character motivations, there's story developments that are frankly incomprehensible. <laughs> uh, but And really, I don't know if this is good or bad, but it's done, the whole thing is done with such earnestness. Uh, like, I don't think the movie is winking at all. I think it's just no. going big for the sake of going big. Mm. Um, and sometimes that doesn't work. Now, when it works, it works huge. So I don't think it's a perfect movie. However, I've mentioned several times in this podcast, like how much weight I give to the idea of a movie's entertainment value. Mm-hmm. In fact, my favorite movies of the last few years, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, Avengers Endgame, uh, which I argued are more amusement park thrill rides than like cinema, than mm-hmm. film. So in in a similar spirit to those movies, I have to include RRR on my list because it was so undeniably entertaining. Like scene after scene, set piece by set piece, I found myself laughing, like with <laughs> abject joy and happiness. Like, my wife watched part of it for me and it's not, you know, she's not a big fan of foreign films, mm-hmm. um, but even she was into it. I did. I did have to watch the movie uh, over two nights. I had to break it up because yeah. it's pretty long and I started it a little late, but like my wife would hear me laughing from the other room just out of like excitement at what I was watching. So uh, I won't forget. I won't forget this movie for a long time. Easy, easy top 10 for me. Nice. I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm going to be talking about it later. Uh, Tiny, I know you're going to be talking about it later, too. Uh, yep. But anything else about RRR this round or Tiny, do you want to go to yours? Uh, I'm ready to go to mine. OK, nice. What's your number 10 movie of the year? Which I, I should say of all three of our lists, this is the one movie that I I have not watched of, of any of these lists. So oh, dang. I, okay. I need wow. to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, your number 10. So my number 10 is going to kick off the theme. It's a recurring theme uh, for my list. What the hell is this movie doing on my list? That is that is that is the theme this year. Um. Uh, another iteration of that is what right does this movie have to be on my list? <laughs> um, I, I was not a, I was not expecting this movie to make my list at all. And, you know, I, there are probably five or more movies that I didn't see this year that what I would put on my list. But I would stand by Bullet Train totally uh, as my number 10 movie. Um I had an absolute blast with this movie. It was it was one of those situations where I got up early on a on a Saturday. I was up at like seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning, and uh, just saw this on there, ready to go for free. I don't even remember what service it was on, and I was like, I'm just gonna watch this. It looks fun. <laughs> um, I think my favorite thing about this movie is that Brad Pitt is in it, and Brad <laughs> Pitt is he's he is bigger than the movie, right? Brad Pitt tends to overshadow movies sometimes he's he's had that happen in his career several times um but what i love is that brad pitt is both having a freaking blast and taking this movie seriously and this performance seriously at the same time nice. he's he's really doing both he's he's funny he's goofy clearly um you know he won an oscar a couple years ago He's uh, continues to be a huge box office draw, one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Um, but I feel like 
he he took this movie because it's going to be fun and he's having fun but then he just he takes it seriously at the same time and he gets into this like kind of very genuine uh genuine emotional moments in the movie and he's actually like going through something and he, he has this this funny recurring thing where he's like he's trying to like find spirituality in all these situations hmm. when someone's trying to kill him you know it's just it's it's really goofy but it's also it has this 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 tinge of genuine uh you know um genuineness to it and and it's it's just, it's just kind of funny um and you know you you've never seen um uh, brian tyree henry like this before i i was like is is he is he british like is 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 he from <laughs> england like because he does such a good job with his accent he's not he's as far as i can tell mm-hmm. he's american um but he they pair him up with aaron taylor johnson who has a very thick i want to say northern accent or something like that um and and they just bounce off each other fantastically um uh this this movie really made me think back to another movie that came out oh 15 years ago maybe smoke and aces and yeah that movie was that movie was good it was decent it was pretty good movie it was it was fun and um i think this is a much better version of that movie um kind of a bunch of hitmen coming together to like you know all swarming in on this one spot um except this time it's a train um it's just it's kind of different i i feel like this is a better version of what smoke and aces wanted to be if if anyone remembers that movie it just popped into my head while i was watching it but um yeah it's just it's a really really good time um it was directed by uh david leach uh probably most most famous for uh, deadpool 2 mm-hmm. um but uh yeah I, I just it's just a really good time a really really good time with the movie and and again there's these it's just it may, maybe i picked up on it and others didn't but there's there's just these really funny funny moments that are also genuine at the same time and it's just not not something you would really expect from a fun action thriller like this um and and they just blended those two things really well and i just had a blast with the movie very cool i was i was interested in seeing it and i just didn't get around to it but um i'm gonna rectify that because it looks like it looks like a it looks like a lot of fun so yeah i i mean if 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 i had done another honorable mention that would have been my next one Oh nice. sweet! I, yeah, nice. I liked it a lot. Yeah, Bullet Train was really My, fun. This might be the only top ten list of a person that's not twelve years old who has it on there. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, like, and that's fine. I'm fine with that because I would totally recommend this movie. Nice, uh, cool. So that's number ten for Tiny. That is Bullet Train. It's and it's on Netflix, by the way. Um, is it okay? Yeah. So my number ten is a movie that I had been looking forward to um around the time it got on my radar like early summer um it is the whale uh, darren aronofsky's uh, film um i ha- i'll have links in the show notes to coverage i did a patreon exclusive patreon potpourri thing throughout award season i just cram a lot of 2022 viewings or the year of release viewings and then i do uh four like i i do um Patreon potpourri, which is four four movies talking about each of those movies um, at a time. So that's at the five dollar level. Check out patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. But anyway, The Whale is a movie that at in varying times in my top ten list, it was it was always going to be on my top ten list, I think. Um 
but it ended up landing at number 10 just because, and Mike, you and I had talked about this via text at some point, but Aronofsky is is pretty straightforward with a lot of his metaphors and a lot of the symbolism and everything, which mm-hmm. isn't a detriment to the movie. It isn't a problem for me or anything, but... Um, Depends on the movie for it, me. Exactly, exactly. So like right, a movie like right. Mother having like having just way overt like religious symbolism and stuff like that can be a little overbearing and everything but the whale i think is a great marriage of somewhat some subtlety with just outright just just tell it tell exactly what you're what you're saying or what you're wanting to say uh either through dialogue or imagery and there's some things that i keep getting fixated on obviously brennan fraser's performance is out of this world incredible he he puts his all into it and um something that i really appreciate about the whale is that it's not just his performance it's not a performance movie it's not a movie that's just centered around one person's performance but mm-hmm. there is this all-encompassing thing from like the sound design like the soft like wheezing and the 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 breathing noises throughout it um and the confinement of the apartment it's like clearly clearly this is a play it's adapted from a play and it's clear that aronofsky chose to make it as as confined and play like as he could and it comes across incredibly well because the thing that i kept getting fixated on is that it's a movie about a man who has he has uh let his grief depression his his mental health deteriorate in such a way that he has created a prison for himself it is about an obese man with an eating disorder um and him trying to rectify his relationships in his life and i feel like there is such an outspoken Twitterverse thing that that is just really diminutive of it or reductive of the movie just saying like oh it's fat phobic it's 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 um it's really grotesque or it's it's um uh people people are saying that it's gratuitous and everything and i i don't see that i think that it's about a man who is who is imprisoned himself um and in you know when he reaches a point he decides that he's not going to let his prison keep him from having hope for humanity and the people in his life and it's Mm -hmm. just such a beautifully told story in that respect it's tragic it's 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 sad it's incredibly emotional um and i just i i love it i really i i loved it so anyway that's my number 10 it's the whale um yeah i i'm so i and I'm genuinely just so happy for Brendan Fraser because he, by oh all accounts, gosh. Yeah, yeah, he's just like one of the best stories of the year. Absolutely, man. Yeah, absolutely. And not to brag, but I got to interview him on the podcast for two and a half minutes, uh, like in 2019. <laughs> uh, could not be a nicer interviewee um, for the two and a half minutes. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, but that's my number ten. That's the whale. Uh, Mike, do you want to bring us into your number nine? Yeah, number nine is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Nice. Uh, so half of my list is horror. And mm-hmm. while that's not all that uh, surprising, considering <laughs> it's my favorite genre, uh, I don't usually see so hor- so many horror movies that like I also consider great movies, like regardless of the genre. Yeah. You know, my list isn't usually half horror. 
Um, but the pop cultural moment like horror is having the last few years, it just continues to grow. Like for years, the only movies that made money were uh, 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 superhero and horror. Uh, and it seems at least in 2022 that the foundations under superhero movies are beginning to crack mm-hmm. while horror continues to ascend in popularity yeah. uh, and its willingness to like challenge conventions. Um, it just continues to ascend. In 2022, especially, like, no genre spoke to my personal ethics and perspective, as well as critiquing and challenging cultural norms and issues more effectively than Mm -hmm. horror. Like, I could do a whole episode on this, but uh, all of the reasons I just mentioned are why a horror comedy like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies ends up on my top 10 list. So uh, one of my personal challenges of the last couple of years for me is grappling with, like, my own journey into irrelevance in terms of pop culture's target (laughs) demographic. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Bodies, Bodies, Bodies felt like the first fun and poignant criticism of Gen Z culture, as far as I can tell. At least in the horror genre. It's self-referential enough that I think young people will understand it, but I also felt like this movie and I are coming from the same perspective, which felt nice. Uh, This sort of slasher movie is not scary. It was not a scary movie. I don't think it was trying to scare anybody uh, at all. Um, but the humor works throughout and, and the satire is inspired. I, I like, forgive me for this comparison. I, I, I hope it doesn't sound like sacrilege. Um, but it reminded me of scream in, in what it was doing with, uh, the genre with slasher, with our presumptions and expectations and with culture as it is, as a moment. I mean, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Uh, Scream came out in 96, right as like this, this, this earnestness and sincerity moment was, was, uh, cresting and falling into the sarcasm that we relate the nineties with so well, uh, what's going on now in pop culture is, uh, uh, internet and TikTok and, um, the internet buying seconds of your attention constantly, uh, and like me culture and putting, putting yourself, mm-hmm. you are the product, you are content, uh, and bodies, bodies, bodies is about that. Um, and I don't care that it wasn't scary. And uh, this might end up on that same teenagers list, tiny as the, the kid <laughs> put bullet train on their list. But, uh, I, I thought bodies, bodies, bodies was really good, really smart movie. Nice. Cool. Um, yeah, I really liked bodies, bodies, bodies. And, uh, I do want to mention, uh, I have a ton of respect for your, for your top 10 list, Mike, because you have not one, but two movies that have, uh, uh, podcaster, um, representation. <laughs> so... Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, that's, that's really good. I, I enjoyed bodies, bodies, bodies. Um, cool. nice. Uh, tiny. How about your number nine? Yeah, my number nine is uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And this doesn't fall into the why is this on my list category. Um, I think I, I think this is a great choice for anyone's top ten list. Um, I was so surprised at this movie. I, you know, I, I thought the, you know, the, the final, not the final phase, but phase four of the MCU stuff mm. was you know, really going to be boring and, and any of the characters left over from phase three or, you know, pre end game characters were going to be 
uh, wrap up stories, boring stories, uh, just cash grabs. And this movie was not that at all. Um, I, you know, I, I, I've vocalized before how I feel about the uh, Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man uh, trilogy. I, I was not a fan and I, 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 man, I really should have let that go back in the day. I have so many regrets about how <laughs> much I've shit over that trilogy because, <laughs> man, why did I waste so much energy crapping all over? It's fine. <laughs> it's a fine trilogy. Toby Maguire is not a great actor, but he's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've, I never had a problem with Sam Raimi. I, I always appreciated that he was a guy with vision, mm-hmm. and he, he sticks to his vision, and, and I, and I respect that, even if it's not my thing. But. Sam Raimi is kind of my thing. I, I always kind of liked him as a director. And this is, man, I feel like this is such a, just such a, a huge, a huge thing for him to just be kind of thrust into the MCU sort of out of nowhere um, and just really make this his movie. Um, but while, while also respecting the vision that the Russo brothers and, and Kevin Feige built with, uh, all the Avengers stuff over the last decade or so, he really blended that into his vision, and I was so shocked, frankly, at, at what he achieved um, with this movie. And um, I, I said there was not a horror movie on my top ten, and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, Matt. Um, mm-hmm. This is not a horror movie, but there are some straight up horror elements in this movie. Oh Re- yeah, um, reanimated corpses. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, what? How? How? Name another movie where the main character, name another action movie where the main character is a reanimated zombie, right? I mean, that <laughs> that's such a, I mean, I'm sure there's some out there, but it's mm-hmm. so rare, you know, it's, it's such a cool idea to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the visuals and everything, uh, the, the villain, um, I, I think another thing I latched onto is that the villain is, there's an, there's, it's something that Marvel's very good at, at least the movies that I've, that I, that have come out over the last you know decade and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, there's usually at least an element of empathy for um, the villain. It, 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 maybe empathy isn't the best word, but you can at least see the path to where they oh, got, how they, yeah. how they got to definitely where they got. Definitely empathy in this one. Especially oh, yeah. Definitely in empathy one. in this one, but like, yeah. you know, like like it's you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily empathize much with Thanos, but you can at least <laughs> yeah, see, yeah that's true. Yeah, you can see his path, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it is a it is a cogent path to how he got to where he got, and it's the same thing for this. And there's some full on empathy in this, and it's yeah. um, I don't think it ever justifies what she's doing, mm-hmm. but again, you feel it, it evokes that emotion, and and that's that's a big thing to pull off with a with a sequel. Uh, uh, you know, uh, a sequel movie, um, especially after, you know, after Endgame, post Endgame, to pull off something this big, I, I was just so surprised at how fantastic this movie was. It's it's huge. It's emotional. Um, the stakes are massive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was really surprised at what they pulled off in this movie. It's it's really good. Nice. Yeah, that's that's why I'm so excited for Ant Man uh, and the Wasp yeah. Quantumanium. Um, yeah, because I I have a feeling I really hope that like Kang the Conqueror is going to be just a massive like the introduction of Kang proper in the MCU in uh, in Ant Man is going to be Thanos level or I mean I'm I'm just excited about it but but yeah uh, Doctor yeah. Strange is very good 
I'm with you on the villain, Tiny. And yeah. and how yes. they were able to keep that in their back pocket through all of the advertising and yeah. trailers and promotion of the entire thing. I, I really, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, every time I would see it, I was like, well, wait, like, did they ever show who the villain is? It? I guess it's <laughs> yeah. that like evil Doctor Strange. I guess he's going to fight mm-hmm. different right. uh, multiversal. Um, so, uh, for you know, a third of the way through the movie, I kind of turned to uh, uh, Jake, my movie night partner, and I was like, "Wait, are they? Is that the villain of the movie?" And I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, they yeah. did not phone this in at all. No, 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 it was cool. It was really cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So that's Tiny's number nine, and yes, I will sir. go ahead and uh, go into mine. I'm not going to talk much about it. I did a Patreon exclusive thing, but um, Tar. Uh, Kate Blanchett, her performance is, it, it's another one of those movies that it's, it has an incredible performance at its, at its center. It's, she's, um, she's like a classic orchestra, classical orchestra. Um, God, why can't I, maestro, um, uh, I can't remember the exact conductor. Conductor. Thank conductor. you. Thank you. Um, and it's just, it is. She, the the movie is centered around her she's extremely like cutthroat toxic and um like manipulative and everything but it the movie handles that in such a way that like right from the outset you have like these incredible like long sequences that are often like one like single take sequences where it's her just talking and like the opening scene it like i was just marveling at it because the opening scene is her being interviewed on stage by someone from the new yorker and they're asking all of these questions about about uh conducting and about classical music and and her her whole like um resume and everything and she's just saying like these very like intricate eloquent things like i have no clue what she's talking about but she is saying it with such authority and then to see that not not the authority of it but to see the cracks in her like facade of genius manifest into this just very toxic and and uh like uh, person that is not a good person basically is really thrilling and clay kate blanchett's performance is is absolutely out of this world incredible so i was really impressed with tar um very very good it's 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 an interesting kind of echo of like a movie like whiplash in some respects um but this was this was a this was an incredible incredible performance driven movie so tar that's my number nine uh really really liked it so yeah uh cool. yeah uh nice. my number eight yes mike bring us into your number eight yeah uh so rrr kind of snuck its way into number 10 kind of later um and i and i when i bumped nope out of my top 10 is a little behind the scenes for you guys. I was really making space for my number eight. Like it wasn't on my top 10. And then I just, the more I thought about what I'm going to watch again, what I want to recommend to people, I have to recommend my number eight, which is Pearl. Nice. Uh, Yeah. So Ty West's the house of the devil is one of my favorite horror movies, top Mm -hmm. 15, top 20. Uh, It's one of the most unique period pieces I've ever seen in that it's really one of the only horror movies I can think of that actually looks like it was filmed in 1983. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so many movies do such a good job of the setting, the aesthetic, the costuming. You know, Stranger Things, it it, it looks like a heightened version of the 1980s, but it doesn't look like it was filmed in 1980s. No. Yeah. It's crystal clear. It's perfect. It's it's it looks like it was filmed three years ago. Uh, uh, but House of the Devil is 1983. A- anyway, West doesn't recreate that period perfect aesthetic with his prequel to X, which I will talk about later. Mm. Uh, but everything else about Pearl works beautifully, perfectly. It's sickly sweet in the beginning. Like, even when we catch glimpses of Mia Goth's burgeoning psychopathy. Uh, but as she descends into desperate madness, the intensity of the movie grows by the minute. And it all climaxes in one of the all-time great one-shot horror monologues. That, I'll give you Rebecca Hall uh, mm. late in the year. But uh, uh, Mia Goth at the end of Pearl m- might be my favorite monologue of the year. Oh, nice. And what I love so much about her in that movie and um, really Migos' performance in the movie itself is that it is that sickly sweetness. It's like she's like eating a Sour Patch Kid. Like it's kind of sour and weird. Like, you know, it's like you don't want to put it in your mouth because it'll hurt a little bit, but then it tastes sweet. But then like <laughs> it also gives you a cavity later as it <laughs> chops you in half with an axe. Uh, and so it's just an interesting, like, like even as she's going crazy, I'm falling in love with Pearl, mm-hmm. right? And and not to compare the two because they're apples to oranges, but like I didn't feel that with Rebecca Hall's um, performance in Resurrection. This one is like you, ha- and, and I don't mean to be gross and like a, a, a objectification or whatever, but like I had such a crush on Pearl, mm-hmm. and like to see her go crazy is like oh, it's heartbreaking, <laughs> even though you know it's gonna happen. Yeah. So it, it's it's wild to watch a movie about a character's arc toward mental deterioration. Mm-hmm. Like, even when we know where it ends, like, literally, we know her ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you still root for her, which, which I think is a tribute to Ty West's script, his eye, uh, to Mia Goss amazing performance. Uh, it's definitely a movie I'll, I'll watch again uh, come Shocktober. Nice. Same here. I love that Sour Patch Kids uh, analogy. That is that Thank is you. that's Thank great. You. Yeah, I that, that was I that that was good. Yeah, yeah. well you. done. That was a riff. I that was a. <laughs> I was just like when I said sickly sweet. I was like, what is what is sweet? <laughs> like hurts. Um, you nailed it. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Nice. Yeah. So that's Mike's number eight, Pearl. Uh, Tiny. How about your number eight? Uh, so my number eight falls back into the theme of uh, I'll I'll put this one as I'm surprised I'm really surprised it made my list. This is Top Gun Maverick. Mm. Um, I knew I was gonna like the movie because I love the original. Um, I I don't I don't hold the original in, in the regard regard that some people do, but I truly love the original. Great movie. Um, and so I knew I was gonna like this just because it felt like everything was clicking for it. Um, like with the promotion and just, you know, everyone's heart was in, I mean, Tom Cruise doesn't go half speed on anything. So, Mm. um, even when he misses, he misses huge, you know, like with the mummy or whatever. (laughs) Um, but I, I was, I was so surprised at how genuinely good the movie was. Um, I, I feel like so again, so many things just clicked at the right time with this movie. Um, Miles Teller is kind of, hit or miss i feel like he's a massive douchebag but <laughs> i think i think 
I think he's a pretty good actor. I, I genuinely enjoy his performances, and I yeah, thought, unfortunately, he is a good actor. <laughs> he is. I mean, he is. Um, he he was at the Indy 500 this year, and Ooh. I was like, man, I really want to punch him in the face. Um, <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but just he's like, to see how he would act and respond, like, <laughs> right. And he just his face. I yeah, I want to punch it. Um, but no, he's he's a he's a good actor. I cannot take that away from him at all. And um, I I, I thought he was going to douche it up big time in this, but I again, he was he was genuine, and I I think he. I think he he nailed it. I think I really think he he came into the character. He was he was humbled just like um you know Maverick was in the original, you know. And and I think it was it was a good performance an appropriate performance. Um and you know, they tapped into all the nostalgia that we we knew they were going to. Um but it 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 wasn't it wasn't a true rehash, you know. I think it was uh they made this movie their own, you know. And it it was just it was just so fun. And, and, you know, nostalgia is, we've talked about it before on the, on the podcast. I know Mike has, has mentioned it plenty of times, but nostalgia is massive right now, especially for our generation, especially for millennials, you know, some gen X too, but like millennials, nostalgia is just king right now, as far as content, you know, and in so many ways. And, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, I don't, I don't think there's anything with, um, going full bore into nostalgia and as long as as long as you're not half-assing it and as long as you're not um being tongue-in-cheek or just trying Mm -hmm. to capitalize like like this is so you know the first movie came out in the 80s it was 40 almost 40 years ago like people had to want to make this movie this wasn't just a cash grab like they they put these people in these planes like tom tom cruise can fly uh can fly these planes like mm-hmm. that's that's bananas like i mean that you know they could have just totally cgi'd this shit but like tom cruise is flying around an f-16 or whatever like that's that's pretty bananas um so i mean i, I think everyone's heart was in this movie and it just totally showed on, on the screen i mean the actors the producers um they they didn't um they they didn't cut corners anywhere and and you know it culminated in a super entertaining and high stakes movie. Um, I would, I would argue maybe even more than the first one, um, as far as the stakes and like mm-hmm. the, the impact of a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, there's a tragedy in the first one that, that is hard to top, but, um, yeah, I, I was surprised. I, I again, I knew I was going to like the movie. I'm surprised at how just damn good it is. Like mm-hmm. I, I objectively a good movie. I, I was really surprised at how good it was. And, uh, at made it number eight, number eight on my list. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so Top Gun didn't make my list or honorable mentions just because, I mean, the, the year was incredible. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. So nice. I will, Sweet. I will add it in a little bit. Yep. Sweet. <laughs> uh, shall I go to my number eight? Do it. All right. So my number eight is Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery in which I, or of which I reviewed in episode 386 of the podcast with my friends Andy Carr and Mitch Ringenberg from the IFGA. Um, Glass Onion is just such a treat when I, like Knives Out stands as one of my favorite movies of the last few years. One of the movies that I, it's one of my now like comfort movies. I'll throw it on and watch it because it is just the ensemble. It's such an, it's such a fun ensemble piece. And 
Glass Onion turns like takes a different approach to the ensemble respect there and does something that is still very much a fun mystery who done it but it's different enough from from knives out even though structurally it's kind of similar but it's different enough in terms of the interactions between the characters their personalities uh the pandemic storyline and everything as well um it's all a just rich tapestry of like comedy mystery kind of kind of antics and I just came out of Glass Onion thinking I'm going to be watching this movie several, several times, and I really, really hope that Ryan Johnson and uh, and Daniel Craig just never leave this franchise behind. I like I want I I just they're just so good. They're so good. So I really loved Glass Onion. It's my number eight. And again, we reviewed it on Obsessive Viewer episode three eighty six. Um, really, really loved it. So yeah, it's uh, awesome. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Uh Mike, wanna bring us into number seven? Sure. Uh let's keep going on the horror train. This <laughs> one is uh, uh I guess horror adjacent. I don't know. I guess it's a horror movie. The menu. Oh yeah. Uh again, Sweet. Here, here's a movie that works so well for me because it's a projection of my personal ethos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a teacher, so I'm just barely on the tissue thin edge between the middle class and the lower class. So mm-hmm. uh, like any any movie that celebrates both a love of art and creativity, uh, as well as the service industry, mm-hmm. while sim- simultaneously skewering, pun intended, uh, <laughs> nice. the wealthy class I'm on board with. I, I'm, you know, it's why I love Knives Out so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and Glass Onion, I guess. Yeah. Um, the the mystery <laughs> of this movie, while it lasted, was incredibly compelling. I was uh, uh, all in for the entire runtime. Uh, but the climax and resolution for me was what really put this movie on my top 10 list. Um, I just love how everything came together. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, and I really think explaining it would kind of would kind of spoil what is so really special about the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but along the way, every actor in this movie was game for the ridiculousness of the story. And it all kind of came together into really tight, really effective mystery thriller uh, commentary. Nice. Well said. I really liked uh, the menu, but again, uh, just, uh, uh, just, just a wealth of good movies. So yeah, so, yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh Tiny, your number seven? Uh my number seven uh doesn't follow the theme, but uh <laughs> I picked the movie after Yang. Oh nice. Um, yeah, that was my number seven. Yeah. I um I think what I loved about this movie was um Colin Farrell um as as the dad, Jake. Um I think he he's the main character, the focal character, and mm-hmm. I I think it's it's fascinating to watch. I'm not a father yet, mm-hmm. but I'm really trying to get there. Um, and I I'm I've been just latching on to father characters and father stories lately, and um, this one really hit me. It really struck a chord with me. I think it's interesting because he kind of falls into the trope that a lot of dads fall into where when something is in flux or when there is a crisis they try to just they have to solve something they need to fix the problem 
through action. And this problem that this family is facing isn't necessarily about fixing the problem. It's about being there emotionally and from a support standpoint for your wife and your daughter and your family. And a lot of dads think, no, I just need to, I need to fix this. I need to solve this. That's, that's what's going to make this all better. And it's just a common trope that dads fall into, but it's, it's just what I think men kind of want to do as fathers and as protectors, we want to just fix problems and protect our family from things. And it, it, this crisis that this family is going through isn't about that. It's just about, he just needs to be there. He just needs to, talk to his wife and his daughter and should be there for him. And he's, he's kind of missing that. I think he comes, comes to a realization, you know, uh, to that, like, like most of the father characters do, or, you know, in real life, uh, a lot of, a lot of dads do, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I really appreciated that trope and that context set in this futuristic thing with this sci-fi aspect to it, um, was just such a cool way to tell that story. And I, uh, it was a really unique movie for that reason. And I, I really respected it for that. Um, yeah, just, just a really, a really cool movie with great performances and good characters. Nice. I will be talking about after Yang later, but well said. Yeah. That's nice. an interesting awesome. angle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my number seven is, uh, Park Chan-wook's, uh, decision to leave. It is a neo-noir kind of love story, um, detective story. Um, and it's like, I wrote in my letterbox review that it is, it's enchanting in a way. And it's just very, it's, it's got a ton of incredible cinematography and editing, but at its heart, it's about a, a detective who starts to fall in love by the, uh, with the woman who is a widow of a man who died, um, and potential suspect in his death. And the way the movie unfolds, it goes from uh, it, it goes from this interesting area where he is he's finding himself attached to her or he's finding himself kind of enchanted by her. And then the movie kind of pivots a little bit and shows the opposite side of that with her kind of being like enchanted by him and everything. And it's it's just this very interesting, intricate kind of interplay between these two characters and it has one of the more memorable endings I saw this year. And it just kind of puts this very, very interesting um, pin on the whole proceeding. So I don't know. I really liked it. Also, like just the the editing techniques, the cinematography is just balls out crazy, like good. Um, like there are scenes where he's he's going through... Um, he's talking through like what he's going to do to get a suspect for a case or something. And then as he's saying it over, uh, over voiceover, the film sh- cuts to him doing these things and pursuing this person and like him pursuing a person on foot is framed in such a way that it's a wide shot of this like very, very big street. And you see him running and doing all of this crazy choreography and stuff. It's, it's really, really effective, like storytelling and, and really cool, really cool, intricate stuff. Um, so that's my number seven. That's decision to leave. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Mike, do you want to bring us into number six? Sure. Number six. And we have our first repeat. Oh, nice. Uh, of the year of the episode. I'm going to be talking about the whale. Nice. Which I have, uh, I guess a little higher than Matt. Yeah. <laughs> but 
you know, that's not relative. It, mm-hmm. it just, you know, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So uh, Darren Aronofsky and I don't always see eye to eye. Some of his more ethereal or esoteric offerings, I will just admit, they usually go over my head. <laughs> but his his arguably more grounded or arguably his most grounded film, The Wrestler, mm-hmm. is in upper echelon five-star movie for me. I love The Wrestler. So nice. it's kind of not surprising that a movie that shares similar themes, grief, regret, self-harm. And it really wasn't until I started thinking about the Aronofsky movies that I like that I realized, like, man, The Whale is, in a sense, another version of The Wrestler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, similar... <laughs> similar paths for the characters uh, i won't say for anybody who hasn't seen it but anyway mm-hmm. um thinking about it now the whale and the wrestler share a lot in common but most of all is is that it's grounded mm-hmm. um it, it doesn't take one theme and just jam it down your throat like say mother does which is right which is not doesn't quite work for me mm-hmm. uh and my oh my is that ground haunting like brendan fraser's performance is just yeah. stunning worthy of all the accolades everything that's already been said i just i echo that uh there were moments that i thought were slightly out of step with the overall tone of the movie like kind of one of the big scenes in the middle with the two younger actors mm-hmm. um but brendan fraser's performance and his character's positivity i think kind of explained the teenage characters um like overselling the, how, like how annoying teenagers can be <laughs> yeah. I, I think he is like the they are the foil uh to his positivity but mm-hmm. his character spoke to me uh his, that positivity spoke to me in a way that kind of elevated those performance like you know as a teacher uh, and as a hope for other people junkie uh, like again, that like his attitude about life, even even in his most desperate times, and and even when kind of realizing um, the the negative things that have been said about his daughter, especially by his daughter's mother, mm-hmm. might be true. He errs on the side of positivity and, and hope and optimism uh, for her and for other people, and so that again that speaks to my. Uh, personal personal ethos number six is pretty high uh Mm -hmm. and and i'll admit like again if we do the reshuffle a couple years in the (laughs) future i don't know that the whale would really be in my top six um but i was so deeply moved by it for a good couple of days after i saw it that that i just wanted to talk about it today frankly (laughs) nice um awesome yeah that that kind of optimism that he has for Humanity is is intoxicating, honestly. Um, it yeah. is, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's awesome. the juxtaposition of the of the sadness of what he's done to himself, yeah, with his positivity for other people. That's oh, yeah, heartbreaking. Absolutely. Uh, Tiny, you're number six. Uh, yeah, my number six is Glass Onion. Um, nice, and it, uh, it doesn't follow the theme. I it t- totally is. A, I think it's on a lot of top tens. Mm. Um. Uh, Matt, you said that you hope that uh, Brian Johnson and Daniel Craig just stick with this and do yeah. uh, as many movies as they want, really. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. I I, I want to see that, too. Someone, I wish I could credit it to the correct person, but someone said that they want to see uh, Daniel Craig do um, Benoit Blanc 
in a com- completely straight as Benoit Blanc with every other character being a Muppet. <laughs> um, yes. I would watch the shit out of that movie. That would be awesome. Um, <laughs> written and directed by Ryan Johnson, of course. Has to be. <laughs> yeah. um, that would be amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, you know, Knives Out, it's, or I'm sorry, uh, Glass Onion is not, it's, it's not as good as, as Knives Out. And I, I don't think it, I don't think it could be, but I really respect Ryan Johnson for, taking a similar formula to knives out and trying to add things into it and trying to reshape it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. cause it's not a rehash at all. Um, or a, a remake reimagining or anything. It's just, it's, uh, he, he, he decided to sort of, uh, poke fun at, at some stuff. You know, I think he, he pokes fun at internet culture. he, he pokes fun at the mystery genre itself. Um, and he's, he's making fun of the, the billionaire, the billionaire class and, um, all these, uh, kind of me culture people, uh, which Mike was kind of touching on earlier. Um, I, I love that he took this formula and just chose to add in some political or cultural commentary to it. And Mm -hmm. I think it worked really well. It was really entertaining. Um, for me, especially because, like you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm really into um, creator content at the moment through like YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and all that jazz. And um, I don't apologize for it because I think there's some no. great content out there, but it's very easy to make fun of, and there's a <laughs> lot of crap out there, mm-hmm. uh, really bad stuff out there. Um, so I, I really loved like the Dave Batista character, um, so over the top and ridiculous, and just not how great at is all. Dave Batista? Oh, he's incredible. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. But before Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy, he was like just another wrestler. But like, yeah. uh, 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 you know, my apologies to The Rock, but <laughs> he's like the best post wrestling actor. Oh, absolutely. Or at least having the most yeah. fun with it. Oh, yeah. And totally. I, I already love him for when him him saying that uh, leaving the MCU is is beneficial to him because now he can do more like dramatic stuff and and things and i'm like yeah i'm all for that he's incredible um yeah and yeah and the rock the more the more i see from the rock the more i'm just like that dude is he's lost the thread man. no he's lost the thread he is he doesn't he doesn't know he doesn't know like what it is to be a performer. Like he doesn't like, I don't think he knows how to like actually act or anymore to like actually emote in, in a movie. Um, but, and also he's just, he's very much like a, uh, a snake oil salesman with all of his shit about black Adam and everything and changing the hierarchy of the DC. Like, okay. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. Yeah. I, the rock is a performer, not an actor. Yeah. I, I he's think that, a, yeah, I mean, he's the most electrifying wrestler of all time. That, I mean, <laughs> he's he's a favorite he's a, he's for a, a reason. He's a showman. He's, he is a showman through and through. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, Dave Batista, I'm so glad he's sort of transitioning to from, away from the physical stuff and into more because he can do it. I mean, and he, he oh, showed yeah. it in this movie. Um, it had the physical side to it as well. Mm-hmm. But in jest, which I think he fully embraced. Um, yeah. he, he, I had the most fun with him in, in the movie, but, um, you know, I, I just, I, I'm trying to decide which ensemble cast I like more. Is it this one mm-hmm. or the first one? That's the only yeah. thing that I think this movie matches with the first one is that the cast is phenomenal 
and they do such a good job. And I'm I'm not sure which one I like more. I'd have to see both of them again. But um, yeah, R- Ryan Johnson, keep doing what you're doing and uh, bring Benoit Blanc back as much as you want. Yeah. Um, pardon the alliteration there, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I. <laughs> it, it's just so much fun that uh, mm-hmm. if he keeps doing these, they're probably going to keep popping up on my top 10. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, my number six is another. Um, that's the second time he's made uh, a second movie in a franchise that's barely a sequel to the first one. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and both are incredible. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, um, you know, yeah. that's like your opinion, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Last Jedi still the best Star Wars movie. My number oh my six is—I <laughs> know it's a low bar to top, but um, my number clearly Matt's never seen Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yeah. uh, I woke up a couple of times during it. Uh, number six <laughs> for me is uh, the directorial debut of uh, Charlotte Wells. It's uh, After Sun. It is. A beautiful, beautiful movie of a father and daughter on a vacation at a resort while, like, it is very carefully disclosing to us that the father is in the midst of a a major mental mental health like breakdown he is someone who suffers from some very heavy mental health issues to the point that and not not it's more just like it's it's his own internalized depression and everything but what the movie does so brilliantly in my opinion is it it takes the perspective of the young girl and just shows us like us as the audience we know what's going on because we see like these little bits and pieces but we kind of see it through the prism of this of this young girl so like when she says like things like there there are scenes that are just just like packed with so much emotion that are otherwise completely innocuous scenes like she i I can't remember the context exactly but um, oh, they were waiting to do karaoke and he didn't want to do karaoke. So, um, so she mentions something about it and he says like, well, you know, when we get home, I can, I can put you, um, I can try to get someone to give you like singing lessons or something or, or instrument lessons or something like that. And then this young girl just says completely, completely innocuously like, oh, you can't afford that. And like you just see the devastation on the father's face because he knows that he can't provide that. And there is like the little moments like that that just that are all over this movie. And it is such an interesting way to tell this story of this man who is completely out of his depth as out of his depth as a as a as a functioning adult and to the point that like little things can be just incredibly devastating to him because he can't he can't attain the or he doesn't see a way that he can attain the level of fatherhood or adulthood that he would like to just because of circumstances that are never really brought brought to surface in the movie it's just this subtlety that's played out throughout it and it's it's absolutely amazing as as a two-hander movie these two actors are out of this world good like these are two performances that are that are just that are just astonishing to me it's um 
uh, it's 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 uh, uh, Paul Mescal and Frankie Corio. Uh, they're just there. This movie like left such a profound impression on me, and then and I loved it. So that's After Sun. It's num- my number six. Uh, really, really good. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, Top half, nice. baby. Yeah, here we go, Mikey. You want to bring number us five. in to number five? Yeah, number five is B.J. Novak's directorial debut, Vengeance. Nice. And Vengeance is, it's the Philistines' smart movie. It's a <laughs> thinking man's movie for dummy dumbs. Uh, <laughs> and I'm kind of a dummy dumb when it comes to smart <laughs> movies. And uh, so Vengeance uh, and I are kind of on the same level. Um I feel like BJ Novak and I would get along at a party or mm. we wouldn't cause neither of us would want to be at a party. <laughs> I guess I'm saying, um, yeah, I, what's weird is like, I don't love the office and I, I'm not crazy mm. about him on the office, but everything he's done post the office is some of my favorite stuff. Short stories. He wrote a kid's book uh, and mm. now his direct debut vengeance is in my top five. So kind of to go back to what I was saying, like critics of the movie said that it was like a little too on the nose with its wokeness. Like it's whole, if we just sat down and talked to one another, we Mm. could fix this country kumbaya vibe. (laughs) But I think like it's, it's those flaws. It's like that, that just try that optimistic. Why don't we at least try to talk to each other attitude that I connected with. So specifically again, like here's a movie that speaks directly to my ethics and my attitude. Like aside from the movie's themes, uh, by the way, aside from the movie's themes, uh, the dialogue in vengeance was some of my favorite stuff of the year. So like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ashton Kutcher in his kind of monologue bit in the middle is, I don't know that it's poetry, but it's, um, it's kind of like a normal person who wants to be smarter uh kind of dialogue and uh, like that's how i feel at times so i really <laughs> felt like it was speaking to me um and my attitude about about the world about this country uh every scene with kusher in it like reminded me of why he's such a positive and charming presence in the movie biz and honestly i'm a little surprised the buzz around this movie died so quickly um yeah people kind of stopped talking about it. it. It was a summer movie that doesn't really feel like a summer movie. Um, this almost feels like if it, if it got an October or November release, I think people would be talking about it at the end of the year a little bit more, but mm-hmm. um, I loved it. it. I mean, it's the kind of, it's the kind of movie that um, I don't know if I ever made movies, mine, mine would probably feel a little bit like this. Nice. Hmm. Uh, wow. That's a hell of an endorsement. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I, I loved vengeance and again, uh, gotta, uh, give credit. It is good podcaster representation, but it was in my top 10 and it never budged. Nice. There was never a question. Nice. Um, it was not even on my radar. I wasn't even familiar with it. Yeah. I I think for a lot of people, they, they kind of overlooked it. Mm -hmm. Check it out. Tiny. I I think it'll be your vibe as well. Yeah, sure. I would. Yeah. Sounds, it sounds good. Oh, absolutely. It's, um, it's awesome. Yeah. And I reviewed it on episode 377 of the podcast with my friends Andy Carr and Joe Shearer from the IFJ. Um, yeah, that was that was really good. That's one that I'm, I need to revisit as well, just because. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'll rewatch that this year for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Tiny, how about your number five? 
my number five, we are back on theme, is uh, <laughs> RRR. Mm-hmm. Um, had I had no clue what this movie was. Matt, you just I had never heard of it, and you brought it up. I mm-hmm. was like, what? What is that? I haven't even heard of that. Um, and holy crap, this is the most <laughs> fun I had with a movie in 2022. It's a blast. Like, yep, by far, so much damn fun. Um, and th- I, I, I just keep coming back to the talent of the two main actors. Like, these guys are like ripped athletes. Mm-hmm. They dance amazingly, and they can sing. Like, they they do everything, and like. I'm sitting there watching this movie and these guys are just doing the most over the top badass stuff you can think of. And then this guy's being tortured and he breaks into song. I'm like, <laughs> why do I love this? This should be ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it just works. It just works. And I think part of it is that um, they don't, it's none of it's tongue in cheek. It's just, they are, they are being like, they're being serious to the point where like, this is just how they want to make this movie, but they're serious about the the themes and emotions and the thoughts and the the uh, revisionist history of this movie. They take seriously, but they're just doing it in a really fun way, and it it just worked so damn well. Um, I, I'm not sure there's anything else I can say about this that other people haven't already said in 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 better ways, but. I, I just I cannot get over how much fun I had with this movie and it just absolutely came out of nowhere. Um and it, it I, I wrote a little blurb review about it on Letterboxd and I said I said in that review, like have have I totally been sleeping on like Bollywood movies? Because I, I know that like that's kind of a fun thing they do in Bollywood movies is people will break out into dance numbers and songs mm-hmm. and stuff, but I, I didn't know how much i might like that <laughs> um <laughs> until i saw this and like i said in my review like i think i may be sleeping on bollywood movies because i really loved this movie and i'm gonna have to check out some more because of this um the the, the biggest this was just the biggest surprise and the most fun i had all year with the movie rrr nice. the songs are also great oh yeah they are oh yeah, yeah absolutely um yeah i i loved it i'll talk about it later um a yeah. man picks up a motorcycle and uses it as, as a weapon like what <laughs> what else do you need to you know what other endorsement do you need to watch a movie you know? i mean so i good. was in at, at the the tiger fight in the jungle oh yeah, yeah. Yep. for me yeah. at the beginning i was like this is unreal yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. totally i i loved it um and the, the practicality is some of that too like that first major brawl with the police character mm-hmm. yeah when there's like that riot kind of happening and like i was like I mean, I understand there's a lot of special effects, but like not a lot of in that scene, not a lot of like CGI, like it's very practical. Like there were hundreds of extras that he Mm. like was going like fighting against. Choreography. Yeah. Yeah. The choreography was out of this world. Pinpoint accurate choreography. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's uh, totally fun. It's insane. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I'll talk about that later. Um, My number five um we're on number five right yeah um my number five is everything everywhere all at once uh which was reviewed um on episode 367 with mike um oh yeah yeah you and i reviewed it uh that was the episode where i didn't remember that until you said which we (laughs) reviewed on the and i and i was like 
Yep. That was the episode where we unveiled the new theme song. Um, oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Everything Everywhere All at Once is a, a just balls to the wall, crazy, multiversal um, family drama action movie with it goes all over the place with some incredible performances. Like I, I, I love the performances all around, but to see, um, oh God, um, the actor who played Waymond, um, he, sorry, sorry, so sorry. Uh, I don't want to mess up his name. Um, to see Kihu Kwan, um, just have this like i don't know if you guys saw his his speech when he won best supporting actor at the golden globes but oh my god like i didn't i didn't bother watching any of the golden globes or anything but i watched that one and like that is just so earnest and so wholesome and genuine and it's beautiful but his performance is fantastic and this movie has so many different elements to it that are just that they should not play as sincerely and and grounded as they do but because of the strength of the performances and the seriousness with which people take it in the movie it's it makes like it it makes a scene with rocks on a cliff talking to one another into this Im- incredibly poignant emotional moment <laughs> and you don't really bat an eye at it and i just i loved it and the choreography was incredible uh just really really good stuff um again we reviewed it on ov367 um i also talked about it on patreon at some point but uh everything everywhere all at once really really loved it just an absolute blast um absolute blast so that's my number five and I, I feel like that movie was a shoe in for my top 10 and I just totally missed it. I'm so disappointed that oh, I missed yeah. that movie, this movie. Yeah. yeah. We'll just, I think Mac and I can confirm that it would be, it will be on your revised top 10 yeah. of 2020 for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yep. Uh, but Mike, how about your number four? Yeah, my number four, another horror movie. Uh, it also might be the first time on a top 10 where oh, yeah. two of my movies are from the same director. Same director, same universe. Too. Same universe, yeah. Sequels yeah. to each other. So I'm talking about X, mm-hmm. uh, Ty West's first horror movie of the year, uh, X. And I make no apologies for having so much horror, yeah. uh, having slashers on my list. I just, it's it's where I no, am right now. It is my favorite right. genre. And I don't, I don't, I mean, there are great movies being made, but uh, none, none of them um, to me make the same like societal criticisms with the same amount of entertainment value, at least in terms of my tempo uh, as horror does right now. So anyway, Mm -hmm. another horror movie, another slasher, but an actual slasher movie this time, as opposed to Pearl, which is kind of debatable. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm a big Ty West fan, uh, and I think X might be his best movie yet. So on the surface, nice. X is exploitive, it's gory, it's spooky, it's exciting, it's scary. Uh, and I would love it if that was all that it had to offer. But what works so well in X is Ty West's commentary on desirability uh, and a person's agency over that attention. 
uh, eyes on them. The gaze, I think, is a thing we talk about a lot. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, he is talking about sexuality as a positive thing and a thing uh, that you have agency over. So Mia Goth, who also plays Pearl in Pearl, uh, plays both Maxine, our mm-hmm. main character in X, the, the the final girl, the survivor girl, as well as Pearl, who is the main antagonist. There's there's a there's a makeup job uh, mm-hmm. going on. So the two women are at opposite ends of the spectrum on their quest for desirability and sexuality. Maxine is on the brink of what she hopes will be her prime. There's a Maxine sequel, supposedly, coming out this year. Mm-hmm. And Pearl is an old woman whose dreams never came true. She's on the, the end of that spectrum. So to see the two of them clash with those motivations in mind, uh, those motivations in mind made for a more compelling than usual tete-a-tete between like the hero and the villain character. In the middle of that clash uh, is Jenna Ortega's character. She'll show up twice on my list, yeah. uh, who is like reluctantly desirable, but then claims her own agency and embraces her youth and sexuality. Like it's a really cool spectrum of characters and social commentary on beauty, aging, and and desire, and like fun kills, scary moments, lots of gore. But like to have. Um, like the movie's called X because they're they're filming an uh, an adult film, mm-hmm. right? An an X rated movie, um, and there are scenes that are that are clearly X rated, but um, it 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 doesn't just use those X rated moments as exploitive. Uh, it's talking about the agency of that desirability, and it also kind of makes you feel for the main villain because she's watching these people perform their agency of desirability, perform their sexuality and realizing that her moment has passed. She wants to kill these young, sexy people. Yeah. I, I loved, I loved that commentary throughout the movie. Like it was, especially since the movie is kind of a, its own like pastiche for like seventies slasher. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which, as we learned from Scream, is has this whole undercurrent um, of sexuality and virginity wow. being a thing that that protects people and everything that's never really spoken in these those movies until Scream kind of put a spotlight on it. But right to right. have that subverting of that with the villain of Pearl and in X, it, that was just so captivating to me. Um, it is, and then yeah. the way that it pays off in Pearl. Sorry to make this the Ty mm. West podcast. No, no. The way that it pays off in Pearl kind of suggests that um, you know people have felt this way, and and women have been this way in movies all along, and like they, we weren't talking about it until uh, kind of too late. But they always wanted to be um, desired and wanted to have agency over their sexuality, and it's just a really cool. It's a really cool character arc. Uh, and I can't, I can't wait to see the third one. So this is easy yeah. number four. Uh, I, I know it's maybe an odd choice for a top ten, but I, I don't feel like I need to make excuses for this one. No, I don't think that's odd at all. Nice. Yeah, uh, I really wanted to see this one. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, Tiny, nice. your number four. My number four is uh, Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, man, I, this was just so much fun. Mm. Um, uh, Weird Al, Al Yankovic, uh, the, the, real, the real guy, is uh, famous for being um, just one of the nicest guys in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you you'd never hear about 
uh, fan interactions that are negative from him. Uh, any other famous people that meet him always have good things to say about him, even if they are mad that he kind of made fun of their music or something like that. Um, he, he just doesn't have bad things to say about people. He's so nice and so kind and just has this really great image. Mm-hmm. It's so funny that he, he, he basically is, is, is really making fun of movie of like musical biopics um, and like not pulling punches I mean, he's not being super cruel with this movie. I don't think he's being cruel. I, I'll give him that credit, but he is blatant, blatantly taking shots at the musician biopic movies that have been coming out lately. Yeah. Um, without question. And it's just so funny to see that kind of tone from him, from such a kind, nice guy, uh, you know, light spirited kind of guy. Um, it's it's all in jest and it's funny, but it's I was just really surprised that he went this route and um it worked so well. It was hilarious. I, I, I was just I found myself cracking up so many times at this movie. Um I I loved uh the casting choice of Daniel Radcliffe as young Weird Al. That's just I mean, I there's no one no one could perfectly play Weird Al. Like like I, I I'm trying to think of who could be cast better like there's no better choice just because and it's not because Daniel Radcliffe is such a good actor he is but it's just because he's he was Harry Potter and like <laughs> I don't know it just it just makes sense to me that they they, they cast him it's, I can't even put my finger on why it's so great hmm. um, I think I there's, just, an, there's an inherent dorkiness to Daniel Radcliffe even as, as sure. he's become an adult and he's incredibly handsome mm-hmm. and he's just in peak physical condition. I mean, like, I don't mean yeah. that as a slight, like to be a dork is awesome, but like mm-hmm. he's, he's Harry Potter. He's kind of nerdy. So I think like yeah. seeing, knowing that about him with the juxtaposition of like, every time he takes his shirt off and he's ripped, I think that <laughs> is what's so perfect. I think that's what's so funny about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It, it yeah. the, the movie really harkened back to like the, kind of fun spoof parody movies of the eighties, like top secret and hot shots and airplane and all that. It, it totally harkened back to that um, at a time when we really need it, I think. Um, and, you know, I have not been a major uh, critic of the musician biopics. Like I I've, I've liked them. They have their flaws and I see those flaws and I criticize those flaws, but I've, I've liked, <laughs> I've liked those movies like Bohemian Rhapsody and mm-hmm. the Elvis movie that came out this year. I mean, uh, they're, they're, they're good movies and I, I don't, I don't dislike them, but um, man, they really needed to be taken down a notch. And this movie really did that um, to, to, to great effect. And uh, I was a massive Weird Al fan growing up. Um, nice. I know, he has a song that a lot of people don't know. That's not a parody called Albuquerque hmm. and it's like 12 minutes long. And I know every fucking word to that song. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I love song Weird Al. Running with scissors. <laughs> yes, nice. exactly. Yeah. Um, I probably know that whole album. Um, I, I love Weird Al and like, uh, he's, he's fantastic. And I, I'm, I'm just so happy that he, he made his movie and like, he got to make his movie. No one got in his way. And it's it's just so fun and goofy. I I loved it. 
And now everybody yeah. has the Roku app on their uh, device <laughs> yeah. that they'll yeah. never use again. Yeah. All the, all the nerds have it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I weird out when I, when I saw weird, um, it made my short list and unfortunately it dropped because of everything, everything sure. everywhere all at once. But, um, no, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> it is the perfect, like it, it's even, it's not even something that's terribly it's fresh in and of itself but it's it's something that like it's it's in the it's in the in league with like spinal tap um uh pop star um and dewey cox and now we have this and it's it's the perfect way to do a weird owl movie it's a parody movie (laughs) like it's it's just it's it's brilliant i loved it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah, I actually saw Weird Al live last year. Oh, nice! No shit, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. That's was cool. so awesome. Nice. Um, shall I go into my number four? Do it, yes, baby. Sir. All right. So number four, um, a movie that I wrote a review on on the website. Again, check out my archive, obsessiveviewer.com slash Matt Hurt 2022. And it was reviewed in episode 363 of the podcast with our own Mike White. And I also did immediate reaction reviews um, on Patreon. It's Scream, Scream 22, Five Cream. uh, You scream, we all scream, we all scream for Five Cream. Um, I love it as a, as both a tribute to Wes Craven, a tribute to the franchise and a just absolutely fun slasher whodunit. Um, I watched it seven times in 2022. I'm going to watch it several times this year, um, including for a commentary track with Mike for Patreon. But this is a movie that, I, it hasn't, this franchise scream it, scream franchise is near and dear to my heart. It is, it is imprinted on my soul because of what it's done for me as a person. We would not be here doing this if I hadn't watched scream at the time that I did and just grappled to it. Like this are like the three of our lives would be completely different on this date because I saw scream in 1996 um on on video or maybe early 1997 i don't know but anyway um so to have a movie come out the fifth installment from the only installment where uh, until march uh that's not directed by west craven have it just hit so hard and be so good it was a an absolute just rocket ship of emotion for me <laughs> um and there hasn't been a there hasn't been a sequel to scream that has left me so so excited and nervous for the surviving characters <laughs> like uh-huh. i think of like scream 4 like scream 4 is fine it's it's fine um but there's like even even with um fan favorite kirby um, like she's a great character and everything, but there's nothing from Scream 4 or Scream 3 for that matter that I want to come out or to, to be serviced in. So for for Radio Silence to make Scream as a tribute to the franchise, as in reverence for the franchise with love and have like do our legacy characters like do them right and do them with with care and introduce just a new batch of just fun teenagers teenage knife fodder 
is just so good. And and the final thing I'll say about this, because I know that it's going to come up later as well, is that it also does this incredible, clever thing of recognizing that the Stab franchise in the Scream universe is not... It's not just a. It's not. It's not. It, it's not just a uh, a thing for the films to reference themselves in. It is. It is at this point, twenty five years into this franchise. It is its own mark of slasher horror fiction in this universe, and they use that. They use the fan, the fandom of Stab, as this vessel for like internet fandom and horror fandom and and not horror fandom because horror fandom is incredible but (laughs) like for just like this toxicity and everything it's just it's so it's so good i i loved it so much and i can't wait for scream six um and like i'm in the position now i uh going into scream five I was thinking I'm I'm so excited for this movie, but I'm nervous for the legacy characters because something's going to happen, I'm sure. Um, and then now I'm going into Scream 6 thinking like, oh, the survivors from Scream 5. I love these characters. I'm nervous that something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, cool. yeah, I just love being in that position. So anyway, Scream 2022 is my number four favorite movie of the year. Uh, I adore it. And, and yeah, it's, it's great. So that's my number four. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked scream. Um, Mm. I don't, I don't hold it in the same regard that you guys do. I Mm. totally like the franchise and this was a great entry. I was positive on it. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm also a big fan of the meteoric rise of Jenna Ortega. I think she's going to, continue to impress all of us for years uh, yeah. she's she's really, i haven't watched wednesday yet but i no. it's on my list um but yeah uh scream was great i think um i love that you talked about fandom so much because that was my favorite thing uh in the movie and i feel like scream has always been about that like even you know in the mm-hmm. first movie um th- there there's toxic fandom in yeah. that movie but well before it was even a thing yeah that's a know? good point i mean that's yeah. A good point. um yeah and uh, obsessive yeah obsessive movie fans yes uh oh, you yeah. know that's a, a theme that scream has always been really good at so yeah, yeah I, I really respect the franchise for that yeah. and like it as well yeah yeah and i will say this scream the first one came out in 1996 it's about obsessive fans of something they did not have podcasts to channel that into so that's uh, why right they turned to that but anyway uh yeah that's my number for- four for Matt Hurd, it was either a microphone or jail. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> yep. That's, that's good. That's funny. I like yeah. that one. Yep. <laughs> uh, top three. Mike, do you want to bring it. us into the top three? Yeah. Number three is, uh, well, Matt, you already talked about it. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, and we did a podcast episode, so I, I uh, don't confuse my brevity uh for trying to rush through this i just Mm -hmm. we've we've already talked it to death but it's easily the most emotionally impactful movie on my list uh it's the best example of how great a year it was for movies that like a multiverse movie about an immigrant mother in her 60s is one of the most buzzworthy and powerful movies of the year like i think i think what's so special about it is also like how surprising it is that it was excellent Mm -hmm. uh the fight scenes and comedic bits were some of the uh most impressive moments at the movies this year 
Well, what I love more than anything else is the movie's message and finding meaning in the seemingly meaningless. Like life can sometimes feel pretty meaningless uh, and the, the urge to go on uh, you, you sometimes have to find those reasons uh, elsewhere. And this movie's kind of mm-hmm. about that. Uh, the, the power of familiar familial love, the absence that a person can feel when the meaninglessness of life makes human connection difficult or even possible. Like the fact that it just played with so many of those themes, uh, parenthood, um, and then just good, like good Kung Fu action and uh, like, what is existence? What is being? What is this universe that we're living in? There were a lot of ideas, uh, and I still don't know that I understood all of it. Um, but it's it's definitely a movie I'm excited to see again. Uh, this this movie leapt onto my top ten list, and it and it never budged. Nice. And it's one that, yeah, I, I wish that I had time. Well, I did have time, but I wish I had prioritized rewatching it before the, before the, before I finalized my top 10 really. But it's, it is one of those that's going to stick with me for a while and I'm, I'm going to revisit it, uh, as I'm going to revisit it. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. Tiny, you're number three. Uh, my number three, to absolutely no one's surprise, is all quiet <laughs> on the Western Front. Mm. Um, I, I'm I. If you go back to 2019, uh, my top movie of the year was 1917. Um, mm-hmm. that was my favorite movie. Uh, either my number one or number two favorite movie of the decade. Oh yeah. Um, of that decade. So, um, I I talked about World War One and how it's such a fascinating subject to me. Um, and I had never seen the original All Quiet on the Western Front, never read the book or anything, um, uh, but I really want to after seeing this. Um, this was really brilliant. Um, I, I I was blown away by the imagery and what they were able to accomplish uh, with the movie, um, you know, especially over 100 years after this conflict. It's, it's, it's really incredible. Um, I... I have criticisms of it. Most notably, the music was just, it felt so off tone to me. <laughs> um, I, I was so kind of disappointed in that, frankly. And it, it kind of took me out of a few moments of the movie. Um, and and that's, that is my major criticism of it. But other than that, I was just, I was really blown away. I, I love how it, um, as opposed to 1917, it has, um, it's less um, it's less narrative driven and, and less story driven and it's more of a um, uh, sort of a it's not not vignettes either but it's 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 more of a um, collection of events you know um, it's it, it, I, I respect it for that because I feel like that's a little more representative of what war can be especially something is um, back and forth and stalemate ish as World War one was um, there's there's malaise there's pure violence there's tragedy there's um all 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 the major themes that played out in this conflict are are captured beautifully in in this movie and and i really i really appreciate it for that um and uh yeah just just all around fantastic movie really maybe want to see the original um and I'm, i'm glad that this conflict is still still relevant especially in the west where it's so underrepresented um Mm -hmm. Yeah, all quiet on the Western Front. Uh, ben Ben Sears made a joke uh, earlier in the year. Uh, he was like, "Yeah, so I just saw All Quiet on the Western Front, aka Tiny's favorite movie of the year." Um, <laughs> yeah. 
he yeah i was like yeah you're probably right mm-hmm. so uh here we are it's at, at number three to, to no one's surprise um nice. yeah it was really good nice i uh yeah i i found it to be so interesting in that it's it's kind of the I I think I wrote on Letterbox that it's kind of like the anti nineteen seventeen because it is yeah it it's 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 all about like the complete unglamorization I guess is if that's a word um, yeah but no it it doesn't glamorize it is in an anti war film um, and it's just it is just in stark contrast with the messaging and the and the uh the vibe of 1917 that it's just it's such an interesting kind of companion piece to it in a sense um and it does it get bleak it is it yeah. is it's it, it it's really really it's really something yeah there's zero glory in the movie yeah 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 yep awesome yeah yeah uh, so that brings me to my number three. Um, it's a movie that Tiny has already talked about. Um, I did do a Patreon review of it, um, but it is after Yang. Um, man, the, like everything you talked about, Tiny, is on point, and that's such an interesting perspective to bring to it um, about like fatherhood narratives and everything. The thing that I was most captivated by with with After Yang is the human element of it and how it's about it's about a family grieving an android and it's about figuring out or learning in death what someone who was an important part of your life was in their life um so it is just this deep dive into the humanity of this character of this of this um android after he's gone and it is such a, a provocative and emotional journey as as um, as Colin Farrell's character is just learning all of this information, and, and there's the, like these whole things that you don't know about, and um, that that he didn't know about in his life, and there are these perfect moments of like memories of him talking about tea with Yang, and and it, it's just it's it's a beautiful beautiful story. Um, and it's it's some really great like uh really great science fiction at its heart as well. So I loved it. It's after Yang, it's my number three. I don't know how I missed that movie. <laughs> mm. It's yeah. It, yeah, it just it never came to Evansville. Yeah. Um I yeah. just I went 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 by me. Yeah, and I think it's if it was if it was streaming somewhere more uh open um it would be yeah. on the radar but i think it's i think it's sure. available on like showtime um oh yeah yeah. Right. yeah yep yeah uh so mike do you want to bring us to the penultimate your number two Top two here we go yes. what a year for entertaining movies huh? oh yes Just like fun <laughs> at the movies Tiny, I'm talking about Top Gun Maverick as my number two. <laughs> and there was a moment, there was a mm, a second the day after I saw Top Gun where I thought, was that the was that the most fun I've had at the movie all year? Nice. It was one of the most entertaining movies I can remember this century. Wow. Like watching a movie on the edge of your seat always that like sounds like such a cliche, but I literally did this watching the climax of Top Gun. Nice. All mm. while knowing exactly what was gonna happen. Even mm. even the kind of um like the the beginning conversation, the 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 dogfight that he has. I don't want to spoil too much, mm-hmm. 
but like that sets the third act into motion uh, was so compelling and exciting knowing exactly what was going to happen. So (laughs) all of Tom Cruise's real life peculiarities aside, Mm -hmm. like he may very well be the last movie star. And it seems like he bears that responsibility with unmatched enthusiasm. (laughs) Actors and directors who work with him talk about like how specifically he thinks about the audience's reactions Mm -hmm. to specific scenes. And I don't think it's worked more in a Tom Cruise movie than it did in Maverick, which, by the way, Tiny, I know you you kind of were not sure about this. I think it exceeds the original in every conceivable way. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, the characters, though, essentially copies of the originals. They're fun. They're fully cooked. They're interesting. Uh, but the best part and the reason this movie is my second favorite movie of the year are just those dogfight scenes. <laughs> like they're so incredible and so much fun to watch. Like they're stunning. They are they are take your breath away, nail biting, uh, action packed. And I just loved every second of it, second of it from from the edge of my seat. Yeah, I it didn't make my list or anything, but I will say here and now that like. Yeah, Tom Cruise, and I've said this before, Tom Cruise is, you know, his personal life, batshit insane, Scientology, evil, all that stuff. Um, (laughs) But there is not a person in the industry that I'm aware of that is more committed to just the art of the blockbuster and the art Mm -hmm. of spectacle Making on film. big movies. Yeah. yeah. Like I, and and I think I said this before somewhere, but I, like, there was that nine minute behind the scenes video of the big stunt that's going to be in Dead Reckoning Part 1 this year, where he rides a motorcycle off a cliff and parachutes down. Um, they, they, they released a nine minute and like 15 second video of the back, the background of that, like the behind the scenes, him practicing, him doing all of these things. And I sat there and I watched that entire behind the scenes thing and uh, yep. immediately went to my Voodoo account and watched the last three Mission Impossible movies back <laughs> to back to back. Like I could not like it's just he's it's that's the effect that it has on me. So I loved Top Gun Maverick. Um even as someone who has literally, like, I have no allegiance to the original Top Gun. Like even the big emotional beat and it fell on deaf ears for me. But seeing Top Gun Maverick kind of retroactively made me care about that moment in the first one. And it's great to see like an action spectacle blockbuster movie with Tom Cruise, where he actually has like a good arc, like a good, like character. Yeah, arc. Right. Yes. Um, yep. So, yeah, so I really, I really, I really liked it, but it didn't make my list. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> Ethan Hunt has had his character arc. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's nowhere yeah. to go for that character. Right. It, it, it was cool to offer Maverick a, a chance to evolve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, like, nuance to it. Right. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, that is your number two, Mike. Uh, Tiny, uh, yeah. what is your number two movie of 2022? My number two is The Northman, uh, the latest nice. from Robert Eggers. Um, I... I think there's um, a bit of an evolution. I don't know. I don't want to say an evolution for action movies going on, but I feel like some of the best action movies coming out are more than action. And and I think this mm-hmm. is, um, this is an example of that because there is some badass action in this movie. Uh, there's a, uh, what, one of my favorite scenes of the whole year is the berserker scene 
uh, where Alexander Skarsgård is just full on possessed warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it is phenomenal. It's so awesome. Um, uh, but then there's all, he, he also, his character has so much depth and he's, uh, more than just a barbaric warrior. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think there's, there's a lot of themes that are touched on in this movie. The Vikings and, and Nordic culture is very spiritual. And, um, I think this movie is an excellent representation of that. Um, I, I, I love the visuals and how there's, there's almost like limited dialogue in this. Um, Mm -hmm. there, there's plenty, plenty of dialogue, but I feel like it's so like Robert Eggers chose his words very carefully. And like, he chose to show us so much, especially the final climax of the movie, not a lot of talking, a lot of action and a lot of visuals that wrap up stories. And it's amazing how his ability to do that is, is really incredible. Um, he, he does it in all his movies. Um, and I, this was just unexpectedly good for me. I thought it was just going to be a bit of a popcorny action movie, but it's, I, I feel like it is a, it is a, um, action movie that's wrapped up in a, um, love story to North and Viking mythology, um, package, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and coupled with an incredible cast uh really good acting i i love alexander skarsgård i think about how far he's come from a kind of a little bit over the top goofy looking vampire in true blood back in the day (laughs) when i first saw him for the first time Mm -hmm. um was fine in that role and i you know i I think you can criticize him but man from uh, uh big little lies to something like this he is a damn good actor, and I, I I think he's a little bit slept on, believe it or not. I think mm. he is underused in Hollywood. I think he's a really great actor, and I I love him and everything. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy also on a meteoric launch over the last year or two. Oh yeah, um, oh, yeah. cannot totally enthused with her as an actor. Um, yeah, just re- really cool movie that I was not expecting to be this good. Um, and I, you know, Robert Eggers hit it out of the park again and will probably continue to do so. Nice. Yeah. Eggers is three for three mm. for me. I, I didn't love that. This one's probably my least favorite of the three. Didn't, didn't make mm-hmm. my list, but, um, you know, I'm still fully on board and excited for, for everything he does. Yeah. Same nice. here. Um, yeah, the, the brutality of it is just so, visually cool and very interestingly done and intricate but uh the story behind it is just really cool too i really i I enjoyed it yeah yeah um so now my number two is a movie that we've talked about already um both of you guys have talked about it it is rrr and Mm -hmm. i i will kind of i'll be brief about it because we've already talked about it and everything but when I first saw this movie, the entire time I was thinking, I don't know how there could possibly be a better movie that comes out this year. I just don't know how that's how that's how it's possible. Um, I had just the biggest, dumbest grin on my face the entire time. And I had I wrote on Letterboxd that um let's see what my my i rated it five stars i put uh every year certain movies contain one or two incredible sequences that get talked about through the rest of the year 
RRR is three hours and four minutes of those sequences. <laughs> like it is the escalation. It, it doesn't even escalate. It's like, it's just, it's just there. It stays there. Yeah. It stays there. It is yeah. insanity. Like it is absolute insanity. And, uh, like, like tiny, you touched on this, like the Bollywood aspect of it. Like that's something I'm not familiar with, but I want to be more familiar with it now because it is, it's just entrancing. It's so good. And it was just like the energy of it just was never, ever, ever dipped for me. It's, it's incredible. And the choreography, the soundtrack, everything about it is just insane, insanity level, uh, precision. Um, I, I loved it so much. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't really know much about Bollywood cinema either, but we were just talking about Tom Cruise and, and the way mm. I understand it, that was like Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt uh, of Bollywood. Oh yeah. Right? I mean, those are two of the biggest actors in Hollywood kind nice. of doing the same, uh, 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 having the same responsibility for, mm. for movie in their country. Um mm-hmm. Doing basically their version. I mean, it's not Top Gun. It's not mm-hmm. at all. But doing their version of peak action cinema. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Just uh, incredible. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. So that's my number two. And Mike, shall we go into our number ones of the year? Number one. My yes. Favorite movie of two thousand. 2022 of course it's scream Mm -hmm. of course it's scream i mean (laughs) what else could it have been it was scream as soon as the calendar turned to 2022 it was scream (laughs) as soon as i saw scream it was scream as soon as jenna ortega was attacked in her kitchen (laughs) despite the fact that nobody has a landline anymore it was always scream it was always scream uh i didn't see scream 22 on many year year ended lists mm. uh and i didn't see it at the top of any lists and okay if i'm being objective sure it's maybe not the most inspiring or important movie of the last year <laughs> uh you know like when i scroll through my list it's like they all had something to say thematically they spoke to my personal ethos they criticized society in some way mm-hmm. They have Tom Cruise in them. I don't know. (laughs) This is the least important movie, and I fully understand that. But the Scream franchise is, well, debatably, my favorite film franchise. And when I think about the movies that I consider my favorites, like, they're the ones that keep me up at night after I watch them. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that just have that je ne sais quoi that like i can't explain why i'm so emotionally invested in the experience that i just had like Mm -hmm. they're the ones that i can't seem to let go of after the credits roll it's it's not that i want to live in that world like the cliche can kind of be i don't want to live in the world of scream given it's perpetually high rate of gruesome murder but mm-hmm. i want to be with the characters longer matt kind of like you said i'm i'm curious to see where these characters go next mm-hmm. i didn't rewatch a lot of 2022 movies this year but i watched scream 22 twice in theaters and then again at home nice. just to feel the magic i felt the first time just to feel that feeling of thinking about it as i laid in bed that night It's such a loving homage and tribute to Wes Craven. The new characters are charming and unique. The kill sequences are some of the best in the franchise. Um, 
if there's a complaint about this movie, it's that it's satirical targets and, and the meta texts are so effective. They actually <laughs> render some of the ele- elements of Scream 4 a tad moot. <laughs> yeah. But we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. I just I just loved Scream and talking about it now makes me want to watch it again. Yep. Uh of of the movies on this list, there's absolutely no doubt it's it's the movie I will watch the most later on. So when I thought about what is my movie of the year, not that I ever debated that this wouldn't be the number 1. It's A, the one I'm certain I'll watch in the future, mm-hmm. right? I have to give weight to that. And B, it's it's the it's the movie I lay in bed at night thinking about because of the way I am emotionally invested in that movie. And mm-hmm. Scream Scream 2022 was was top of the pops for me. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. And I feel like it's sacrilege for me to put it at number four. Um honestly. It's a little uh, yeah, I mean yeah, it's whatever you want. Like you, your your criteria doesn't have to be the same. No, yeah. Like like I'll say this, and and I want the audience to understand. I don't think Matt feels any less for Scream Twenty Two than I do. Oh, exactly. I just think his our lists have different criteria. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, I agree. I agree. But yeah, well said though. It's just it's it's great. I loved it. So yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um, now tiny. Now this is in the obsessive viewer history. This Mm -hmm. is the third consecutive year where two of us have had the same number one. And it is the first time since 2015 where you and I tiny have had the same number one. Uh, so I will go ahead and let you reveal both of our number one movie of 2022. Uh, my number one is Marcel, the show with shoes on. Um, and, and this, this drives home the theme of, you know, the way I put it is what, what right does this movie have to absolutely charm the shit out of me so much <laughs> that I could not stop thinking about it for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, this this would be if I had seen all the other movies I wanted to see. This would be a top two or three mm-hmm. again. Like I I absolutely adored this movie. I could not take my eyes off of it, and I am so shocked. I I was I was familiar with the character of Marcel the Shell. I had seen some of the shorts and stuff. Um, I, I really like Jenny Slate and I, I think mm-hmm. she's really funny. She's a pretty visionary comedian. Um, so I, I was familiar with it and I, I had not experienced the level of charm that they achieved in this movie. That is the word I cannot get away from is just how astoundingly charming this movie was. And, and I think, I think it's rooted in the character of Marcel and Jenny Slate's interpretation of that character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is so it's so um, just a- adorably genuine, I guess. I-, I don't even know how to pinpoint why it's so charming, but it is. It's it's. Mm-hmm. I-, I think the the wonder of Marcel is, and and the the positivity of Mar- Marcel, and um, the joy of that character. I- it's just, it's just amazing that I can get that level of emotional response from a little stop motion shell that I think mm. originally uh, Dean Fleischer camp, like 
I think the first Marcel was like a, a shell that he found in a craft store or something. And he just like saw it and was like, what if that was, what if that was an animated uh, personified character and, mm-hmm. and a thing? And that's where it came from. And how that turned into such a, like a gut wrenching and adorable and charming little character is just beyond me that, mm-hmm. that someone can pull that out of their head and put it into at his time his wife's head to turn it into a character and have her be that character that's that just it blows me away the mm-hmm. the creativity of this of this movie is just unbelievable and, and it's so it's 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 fun as well and and it's just it's it's emotionally gut-wrenching i i was so shocked at how good this was mm-hmm. i i i it's it's really it has no business <laughs> being a top 10 but i it's it is my number one because i i thought about it for days it's one of the only movies i saw this year that really sat with me and it sat with me more than anything else i it, it was just a beautiful adorable and charming movie yes uh cosine <laughs> <laughs> no everything everything you said absolutely it's obviously my number one as well um there, I don't think there is a more special movie for my taste that came out in 2022 that I saw. And what I mean by that is, like you said, Tiny, everything about the just making of, the, like the thought that went into it is just escapes me. But at its heart, the story, the story that's told in this movie is like, it transcends anything that was in the shorts on YouTube or anything. And it becomes this incredibly moving tale of empathy grief and the power of family and community and the 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 need for that and there were moments throughout this entire movie like the entire movie had me like not only tearing up not only crying but by the end of it i was sobbing i was sobbing in tears because of the power of of the the like I said, the sense of community, the the grief, the the search for family, and all of that is just packaged together in this in this incredibly charming character. And even without that, like that, it, it just tells this incredible story about everything that I've said. And as as a huge diehard fan of uh, of Leslie Stahl, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I did I did like the 60 minute stuff and everything, but it's just it's so charming, and the payoff at the end is one of the most uh, emotionally satisfying moments that I had watching any movie this year, um, and I I adore it so much. So that's my number one as well. Marcel the Shell with the shoes on. Um, awesome yeah i will say to you guys the same thing i uh asked my students when they asked me if i liked the batman <laughs> i'm glad that you guys liked it mm-hmm. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> fair enough um so yeah so those are our top tens for 2022 uh i have a couple other segments real quick that we'll breeze through and then we'll be done because uh, I know we're going over our time, but um, but yeah, that's our top to- top tens and everything. I want to kind of start wrapping up and have us share some titles that we're looking forward to this year. Um, if we want to rapid fire just the titles, Mike, do you have anything that you're looking forward to in 2022 or 2023? Yeah. 
Sorry. know, I was racking my brain trying to think about what I'm excited for in 2023. Um, more than anything, it's it's Scream Six. Yep. Uh, which is now officially called Scream Six. We don't mm-hmm. have to call it uh, uh, Scream 23 or anything yeah. like that. Um, but other than that, everything everything pales in comparison. I mean, I'm sure that I'll find some things that I'm looking forward to. But in terms of like the big spectacles that uh you know will kind of speak to like the child in me there's no spider-man movie coming out there's no uh uh, well okay i mean spider-verse for sure but um yeah i mean there's no live action gotcha there is i guess i'm excited Hmm. i don't know i'm not that excited for (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i love the first one so much but Mm. i just um you know, I'm a dummy dumb. I don't I don't get super excited <laughs> for animated movies all that much. Oh, it, yeah. It just, inherently, I just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so scream more than anything. Nice. Uh, Tiny, do you have any movies in 2023 you're looking forward to? And why are they called Dune Part 2? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the big one. As long as it does come out this year, mm-hmm. we'll see. I'm a little skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um Guardians of the Galaxy is that coming out? Yeah, uh, this year, just in a yeah, few months, but... really. I think, uh, okay. or like April or May. That's another one. Yeah. Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, you know, still it's probably going to be really fun. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm very out of touch with what's coming up next mm-hmm. year. Um, I unfortunately, but uh, I I'm, I know there's going to be some good ones. We'll yeah. uh, we'll see. Yeah, for me, I have a whole list. Um, I'm cautiously curious about Knock at the Cabin. Shyamalan is hit or miss and when he's miss he's very miss Uh, yeah I just I love that book a lot yeah I just don't don't trust Shyamalan anymore yeah I'm just I'm curious what it's gonna be because Dave Bautista and it it'll be interesting I'm seeing it for Dave Bautista more than Shyamalan (laughs) um but also Ant-Man and the Wasp Creed 3 I'm very curious about I think it looks good Scream 6 is the big one that's the most anticipated one um and uh, I do want to highlight a couple of movies, Fast X and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. These are two mm. just top-tier blockbuster franchises that are having presumably or potentially their final their final outings be two, like a two-part installment for it. So Fast X is going to be the penultimate thing, and Fast 11, whenever that comes out, is going to be the next one, and that's supposed to be the end of the franchise. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Parts 1 and 2 are supposed to be the send-off of Ethan Hunt. So it's just weird that we're in this place where these two big franchises have this. But I'm very curious about it. I'm very excited for it. Um, Dune Part 2, i Remember when they brought Jeremy Renner in to, (laughs) like, he might be the next one? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) And then finally, there is... uh, uh, Please Don't Destroy. It's just titled, untitled, Please Don't Destroy Project. It doesn't have a title yet. But the guys, uh, Please Don't Destroy, they do SNL, like, digital shorts and stuff. I'm a big fan of them, and I'm curious to see what they do in a feature film. Uh, So, yeah. So, that's those are my anticipated ones uh, for 2023. And... Uh, shall we send it off with our big, our big, uh, our big thing that we tallied up? 
Do it. <laughs> okay. Totally. So now that we have, I, I was very cautious. I, I wanted to say like with our big announcement, but I didn't want people to think like, oh my God, they're ending the podcast. Um, oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm still We're, breathing. We'll be back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm still breathing. The podcast is still going. That's that's my <laughs> that's my pledge to everyone. Um, mantra. Yes. So in the time span that we've had the podcast, we, next month will be the 10-year anniversary of ObsessiveViewer.com. And June 15th will be the 10-year anniversary of the first time that we recorded an episode of the Obsessive Viewer podcast. So in those 10 years, we have done 10 top 10 lists of the year. And so I am very anal retentive and I went ahead and made a list of all the movies that appeared on all of our lists um, over the years. And uh, I, I, I basically I assigned uh, points to them and then I took the top 20 of those movies and I gave that list to you guys for you guys to make a top 10 ranked list of that of that selection of 20. So I assigned more points to that after that. And now we have the, I don't know what I exactly I'm going to call it, but Obsessive Viewers Top 10 from 10 Years of Podcasting List. Um, so Which with, he didn't uh, he didn't share with Tiny or me. Yet, I didn't. So I'm, I'm curious to see yeah. what's on this. Yeah. And here's I think he the thing. just called the 10 for 10. Yeah, 10 for 10. There we go. 10 yeah. for 10. Yeah. Love it. Oh, yeah. So uh, I will say this. I'm going to name, I'm going to count down the 10 on the list in ranked order uh, from the points and everything we have. Um, but what I'm going to do is in the show notes of the episode, which is in your podcast app or at obsessiveviewer.com slash OV388, I'm going to have the top 20 ranked list. Uh, so on the podcast, I'm just going to do the 10, but you'll see the full one on the show in the show notes of the full 20. So gotcha. without further ado, our 10 for 10 from 10 years of podcasting, 2013 to 2023, uh, years and reviews from 2013 to 2022. Uh, number 10 is Star Trek Into Darkness, which is surprising. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number nine, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, yep. Number eight is Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Love it. Number seven is Eighth Grade. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. We loved that. We loved that movie that year. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Number six is Hereditary. Yeah. Oh baby. Yeah. Number five is It Chapter One. Uh huh. Yep. Number four is Arrival. Yeah. No. These are all movies like I've watched again since. <laughs> yeah. I just like watched they, Arrival. Yeah, nice. they right. They fit the criteria. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the top three. At number three, I'm so delighted. Number three is Doctor Sleep. I'm just yeah. so happy about that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that nice. movie was rad. It's that was, so good. So yeah. good. And I'm happy about it because at the time there was like there were people that weren't fans of it and it bummed me out because it's so special. Yeah. Um and then the top 2, number 2 is Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. Which isn't a surprise. And number one and is number one. Yeah. Not going to surprise anyone. It's Avengers Endgame. Endgame, yeah. A cool. yep. roller coaster theme park experience, as Mike said it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, well, there's just 
there's just nothing like it. No. And and yeah. I don't think there ever will be. I, I think if the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it is now is any indication, mm-hmm. we'll never experience anything like that ever again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, never. Yeah. I still think back to Mike's review of mm. Endgame when we did our end of year in 2019. <laughs> yep. I still think about it because I'm like, fuck, he called me out and he was so right. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't like, even I, mean to call you. I'm sorry. Well, no, because you called everybody out because you were yeah. like if you if you you know you're lying to yourself that mm-hmm. this wasn't the best movie of the year and i you're totally right because i've watched that movie like eight times oh yeah, absolutely more than, any, yeah. more than anything else i mean oh yeah, yeah. i'm yeah. ashamed ashamed that i had it i have on my list for 2019 i have avengers endgame at uh one two three six number six <laughs> what you know I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Hey, I, I fully it's... admit I'm wrong. <laughs> wow, I, my my hero prophet. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I just um, I think I place very highly immediate, mm. uh, not immediate, because that's kind of not what I'm doing, mm. but just the entertainment value and 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 um, In the there's something power. to be said and staying power and there's something to be said for the quality of movies um i love great movies like mm-hmm. banshees of inisherin is is a great movie that's oh, yeah. a great movie but like i will never watch it again and mm. i can just always tell i can tell when i'm just never gonna watch it again and for me movies are fun and, yeah. and my favorite ones are the ones i want to watch again i like mm-hmm. back to the future I mean, yeah, great themes, really long lasting, compelling, great mm-hmm. characters, but like it's undeniably rewatchable. Oh, and I yeah. just, there's nothing, yeah. we've never experienced anything like Endgame. No. And I just like, I could tell that that was going to be an all time favorite. Yeah. And it's amazing because, like I said earlier in this podcast, that yeah, I'm looking forward to Ant Man and the Wasp in, in Quantumania because. Uh, because I'm excited for Kang the Conqueror. I'm excited for, I'm excited for like phase five to begin and like, like really get the multiverse saga into focus and everything. And I realize, and I admit wholeheartedly that this, this is me chasing, chasing that feeling that I got at Endgame because I want to be wowed like I was with Endgame at the end of like, I want, I want the Kang dynasty to be as, big and expansive and huge and and monumental as Endgame. I don't think that it will because it just can't be, but I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, that's a cool list. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. What was your number one in 2019, Matt? Uh, marriage story, which I stand by. I loved marriage story. Um, I mean, that was a great year. Anyway, I had marriage story, parasite knives out, Dr. Sleep, uh, the lighthouse and then Avengers Endgame. Oh, I, yeah, see, there's, I, n- those are all pretty great. <laughs> I still think that was the best year of the decade for movies. Oh yeah. I think, I think that, it's that definitely decade, up there. Oh yeah. I, I think um, that, I think 2019 was the best year mm-hmm. of that, of that decade. Well, and we ate, we feasted and then 2020 happened. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> yes. And oh, Invisible yeah. Man is great, but mm, that right. would not be my favorite movie any other year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, uh, I think our, that was a, Invisible Man was on our. I think that's in the twenty, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is because yes, it, it is. was our number. Both our number ones. It, it was yeah, yeah. right, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is respectable. Yeah, um, yeah. I liked Good. it. Yeah, so 
Um, all right. Shall we close it out, guys? Wrap it yeah. up. Our 10th time doing this uh, year in review. That's amazing. Um, uh, so yeah, thank you to the listeners for another year of supporting the podcast. Thank you guys for indulging me in doing this and everything <laughs> throughout the year. Um, I'm really excited for like what is to come this year. I'm hoping that, uh, we have a lot of good stuff, which I'm sure we will. It'll be fun. Um, but there's going to be a lot of podcast content coming your way in 2023. Of course, the obsessive viewer isn't all that we do. Um, you can check out my solo podcast anthology where I review the twilight zone and other sci-fi anthology shows. And you can hear tiny and myself on tower junkies talking all things, Stephen King. And of course, uh, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of exclusive episodes across all of the podcasts on patreon at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and uh again you can find links to all this in the show notes as well and an archive of all of my 2022 work at obsessiveviewer.com slash matt hurt 2022 and if you'd like to check out the stuff i am doing this year find that at obsessiveviewer.com slash matt hurt 2023 and before we go mike do you want to uh tell us where we can find you online and where we can find as good as it gets and what's in store yeah, uh, as good as it gets music, as good as it gets music.com, as.good.as.it.gets.music on Instagram. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can find all the links there. Uh, uh, link tree mm-hmm. slash as good as it gets music. As good as it gets music is what you want to search if you want to find all of it. Or just look for us on uh, Spotify, as good as it gets. Nice, nice. Uh, I love the work that you do, Mike. And Thanks, man. Should we should we say what you're working on? Is it okay to say what is happening? The album? No, the other thing. Um, what else am I working on? Anthology. What else am I working on? Anthology. Anthology. A theme song for anthology. anthology. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. Yeah, working on a theme song for anthology. Yes. Sorry, dude. The album is taking up. Oh no, this, I totally get it. Bonus stuff, but like get, getting the the mixes and the masters and the art and getting it all. It's like my brain is full <laughs> no i totally no, get it yes i i am also <laughs> we are working on the uh, uh dust and i are working on the theme song the anthology hell yeah i'm excited for that and uh yeah and tiny uh happy birthday <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> happy birthday man yeah thank you appreciate yeah. it <laughs> uh yeah uh, where can people find you online and everything um the best place is uh at obsessive tiny on letterboxd um i do I do log everything on there. So, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm going to start playing us out because it is late and I'm going to post this on Patreon. Patreon got access to this a few days in advance. Um, You guys are listening to this on the main feed on Thursday, I believe. So uh, another incentive to join Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Thank you guys so much for another great year of podcasting and movie watching. Mike, Tiny, I love you guys. And can't wait to do more shit like this with you. Uh, totally. Yeah. All right. Well, here's to, uh, here's to 10 more. Yes. Obsessive forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. And now, enjoy this short clip from our Patreon exclusive RSS feed. For the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes, TV, book, and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon poopery episodes, Go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Um, here is usually where I go to 
talk about like, oh, movies I'm looking forward to next month. But I do want to continue the stats breakdown and share some 2022 year-end stats. These are stats for the entire year um, of 2022. So let me just go into it. Podcasting stats. Um, Obsessive Viewer. Throughout all of 2022, I released 27 episodes of Obsessive Viewer with a total runtime, audio runtime of two days, six hours, 57 minutes, and 58 seconds. And for Anthology, I released 23 episodes, which, which amounted to one day, six hours, 57 minutes, and six seconds worth of audio. And finally, for Tower Junkies, uh, we released nine episodes, which uh, amounted to 13 hours, 37 minutes, and 54 seconds. So if <laughs> so, if if you're listening to this and you listened to all of those episodes, you listened to 59 episodes of podcasts that I put out into the world in 2022, and I was in your ear holes for a total runtime of four days, three hours, 32 minutes, and 59 seconds. Seconds. So thank you. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Um, but no, thank you very much. Uh, very proud of the output that I had on the on the podcasting front um, in 2022. And then some writing stats just really quickly. I posted 22 written pieces on obsessiveviewer.com and I had 17 um pieces published on other outlets, including four essays on Midwest Film Journal, six essays on themoviestate.com, Ben's website. Thank you, Ben. And seven published reviews on Nuvo.net, which I got paid for, which was awesome. Um, So that was a total of 39 published pieces of film writing on the internet in 2022. And so now let me go on to <laughs> Patreon stats. And I have these set up by tier. Um, so basically, I'm going to start at 10 and go to 1. So throughout all of 2022, if you are, if, as you guys are, on the $10 tier, um, throughout all of 2022, all Patreon content was available to you guys. Um, throughout 2022, I released a total number of 148 episodes on Patreon of varying topics, varying things. That was a total audio runtime of four days, 15 hours, 36 minutes, and 22 seconds. So on Patreon, I released about, I released, I released, um, uh, what is 15? Okay. I released 12 hours more, 12 hours more worth. uh, Okay. I released the same amount that I put on the, on the main podcast feeds, um, plus 12 hours. Um, so the same amount of hours. So basically, yeah, it's insane. I like it's, it's insane. Um, so that's all on all, all tiers, uh, at the $10 tier, you guys got four days, 15 hours, 36 minutes, and 22 seconds worth of audio on the, um, the $5 tier, um, which does not include like the audio, um, the audio testing episodes that you guys get and the, um, 
monthly stats that you're listening to right now. Um, without those, the $5 tier got 135 episodes, uh, which was four days, six hours, 23 minutes, and 52 seconds worth of audio. And then uh, if you take out the... Um, uh, like the Patreon potpourri episodes, special episodes, and commentary tracks that the $5 tier gets. Uh, the $2 tier had access to 116 episodes throughout the year, totaling three days, six hours, 42 minutes, and 25 seconds. And finally, the $1 tier got access to uh, B-roll recordings and occasional special episodes that totaled 22 episodes, a total of 13 hours, 21 minutes, and 38 seconds. And they also, and you guys as well, got uh, early access to 44 podcast episodes throughout the year. That's not counted in the total runtime for anything because those are official, you know, podcast episodes I just throw up as early access. So, um, so yeah, so that is not included in any, any of those stats, but it is worth mentioning that, uh, you guys got early access to 44 podcast episodes of the 59 that I released in 2022. Um, and that's mostly because, um, some, I, well, I guess 15 episodes, <laughs> 15 episodes of podcasts that I released, I needed to get posted immediately. So there was like no time to do early access. And what I mean by that is that, there was like a lot of, a lot in a lot of cases, maybe there was a hiatus or like people like the main feed didn't get enough or uh, there was, a, there was a lapse in how the main feed was released or whatever. Um, or I wanted to, like, if it was an anthology, I needed to get it posted like on a certain day to keep that schedule that I had. So anyway, 44 early access, uh, podcast episodes. Okay. And that, those are all of my stats for December 2022 and 2022 overall. And I'm going to leave you guys with what I usually do is what I'm looking forward to this month. But since we are in a new year, I'm going to run down a list of 18 titles that I am looking forward to in 2023. And I this podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.